In today's episode of the podcast, we will discuss some sensitive topics, including sexual violence, rape, and PTSD. If you or someone you know has been affected by any of these topics or find these triggering, please reach out to the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre, no matter where you are in the country. All details on how to contact them can be found in the description of this podcast. Boom, episode 83 Three. of the yep. Talking Bollocks podcast brought to you by Go Loud. It's me, Terry Flower. It's me, CLB. And this week we're joined by Sarah Grace. Sarah, how's things? How are you? Good, how are you guys? Oh, good. Oh, good. Oh, good. Oh, Sarah, oh, good. Some weather out there. I know, it's roasting, isn't it? Yeah. Scald that's going yeah. on. I probably won't look around this one. See, when I look back on the videos this week, they'll be wax white. This yeah. Time. They'll be scald. You rang me yesterday, you looked like a squishy. Yeah, proper. He was like red see, and white. You can't even see me. You guys aren't sunburned or anything. You like escaped that one. Yeah. yeah Terry gets really sunburned. Terry gets sunburned if he sleeps with the lights on. Like, oh, oh with the fireworks. You're like, yeah. damn I mean, it. In fact, that 50 minutes and then over the lights and all, it's, it's our hand, boys. Anyways, we're going to jump straight into Zinger, Shirley, yeah? Yes. Mm. Do you know what a Zinger is, yeah? Yes. I yeah. have listened to episodes. I have one ready. I don't know if you've had it before. But we'll take it anyway. It's hilarious, though. Give me two seconds. We'll, give you the, we'll go for the results from last week and then we'll take your Zinger off you, yeah? So... Would you rather, this this one the deep ones, yeah? Yeah. Would you rather feel your emotions through, through your life or not feel them at all? Oh, God, feel them. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think loads of people didn't really think and they're just like, oh, I'm not feel them. And then you're like, like you wouldn't you're look at like, You don't feel happiness or anything. Anything. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're, you're not alive. Yeah, basically. No. You're just numb. Just coasting through I know. Yeah, no so. laughter, no anything, no. no. You take the emotions every day. Yeah. yeah so this day. is what we were saying before we went on, we went live. We were saying to Sarah, like, some of the zingers to be really funny and really easy to answer, then we get deep. Super deep. So it seems was, to be no in between as well. It's like, oh man, the meaning yeah. of life. Like, so yeah. either you have an answer straight away, or yeah. you when we are just stuck for like 20 minutes, being like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was one of them. That was a deep one. Yeah. Um, 82% said failed them, and 18% said they wouldn't want to fail them, right? There we go. Here's a handy one for you. Do you brush your teeth before or after your breakfast? Before. First thing in the morning. Same. But I don't have breakfast, so... Do you know what? Know. I'm the shame. Don't do what, what I'm what doing. What do you do? I like, oh, had like a bit of a, a barney with someone in the DMs. <laughs> she was like, uh, who brushes them before? And I was like, me. And then she was like, but why though and all? And like, like was Matt Deep. And I'm like, it's not that much of a thought process. I just got up out of bed, had me shower, brush my teeth and go about my day. And sometimes I have breakfast, sometimes I don't. I don't strategically yeah, go, yeah, yeah. I'm going to have breakfast at half nine. Yeah. I'm going to brush my teeth at quarter past. Look, it's not that deep. Yeah. Do you know what's rancid though is you brush your teeth and then you have like coffee or orange juice and you're like... Yeah. yeah, not nice. <laughs> so that's why I go with the opposite. Like I have all that force, then brush my teeth, then I'm set for the day. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I just don't really think about it that much. It's not that. I don't yeah. understand how you like don't have breakfast some days as well. Like that baffles me. I do, yeah, I kind of started skipping it, and I was like, I don't need. I'm kind of clear in the morning if I don't have food. Yeah, but like that's just breakfast me. is deadly. You love it. I literally forget to eat sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, the same. I do have the ring turns. Like, do you eat today? And be like, oh, I knew oh, I forgot. I something. knew I forgot yeah. something. Honestly, yeah. though, that look like, that happens to me all the time. Like yeah. sometimes I'll feel a bit weak and I'll stand up and I'll be like getting black dots on. And I'll be like, why am I? And then I'll go. It's six o'clock and I haven't eaten. Yeah. I've had five coffees, no yeah. food. <laughs> Basically, that's what he does. He's intermittent fasting by accident. By accident. Oh, that's good though. That's supposed to be He's like, I'm in the nick of my life. He's like, you don't eat. Right? <laughs> You're in a calorie deficit seven days of the week. By accident. 
yeah. Oh Sometimes I eat too much and yeah. some days I forget to eat. It's mad. I'm that expression I'm feast like or famine. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. But it's mad. That. How can you forget to eat? But anyways, 34% brush that teeth before that breakfast and 66% after that breakfast. Yeah. Uh, what's better, Nike or Adidas? Uh, I'm going to go by the amount I own. Nike? Yeah. yeah. I'd agree. I'd agree. I feel like there was a, a correct answer here and it was Nike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You weren't going to judge it or anything, but you picked the right <laughs> answer. No, okay, okay. <laughs> You've passed the test. You can keep talking. Okay. Yeah, you can stay. Yeah. Uh, 86% said Nike and 14% said Adidas. Great. Somebody said, uh, someone said a good one. Uh, if you're talking about football boots, Adidas are better. Ah, definitely. Yeah, yeah the Predators. That, yeah, you? definitely. But yeah, other than that, we're talking the whole lot. So that's that. Sure, you have a zinger or two, do you? I do. I have, yeah, one good one anyway. I don't know if you've had it on the show before. Would you rather, and oh, I think this speaks to men a lot more, have a receding hairline <sighs> or oh. a proceeding hairline? <laughs> what it thing? just keeps moving forward down to your eyebrows over time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say like it would book us that's obviously like not a thing that's no that's but not I, no, I, I've never heard documented footage of this happening no but um, imagine some fella like 50 his, his eyebrows and hairline <laughs> just match like it's just one continuous bit of hair your friend is at your nostrils like it's just like grow then it's like a belly yeah, you know, you don't even need to buy a belly. Yeah, so you're going in for a shave and a haircut all in the one. <laughs> What's that thing in Star Wars? The Chewbacca? Yeah, the Chewbacca walk around. Yeah. Oh. Well, I give you my answer. Yeah, I on. would have proceeding because then I would just wax it off. What? True. Yeah. yeah. Or laser. Hair That's removal. one of those things. It's better to have too much than yeah, not enough, you isn't can, it? Like, take yeah. away. But imagine the maintenance on that. Like the Some effort. Pull off a of receding hairline, though. Like. Some people, I look at them and I'm like, that actually suits you. Yeah. If you had a comb over there with a fresh hairline, I wouldn't like you. No. Not that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you look better. Uh, I hate you. Yeah, I actually despise you. Uh, I'd go proceeding. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I'd have too much and not enough. Yeah, I'd go proceeding as well, suppose. But like, I just think the effort of that. You're getting your haircut probably every week. We do oh, that yeah, anyway. See, I don't think of Every that. two weeks, give or take three. Yeah, boys get their hair cut for yeah. oh. Every week for me. Shout out to Are 400. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Every week. Yeah, but I get looked about at. About 10 days. About now 10 I know days. how he doesn't eat. I'm, like, I'm too busy. I'm yeah, too busy getting hair cut. Drinking coffee. <laughs> yeah. um, have you got another one? I do. Again, don't know if you've had She before. has done a homework. Like, guys, yeah. I did my homework, seriously. Um, would you rather have a cat with the personality of a dog or a dog with the personality of a cat? Like, that's this is going to test the like dog cat person. Yeah, but let like let's be real, cats are cunts. So would you rather have like a big animal like a dog that's like oh doesn't want that to do with you, or would you rather have a cat that's like oh, a cat's not them. loving little cunts? <coughs> no, the mad independent. They are until you die or something, and then they eat. Oh, do, <laughs> any any so animal you have, I have cat or I had cats. Yeah, it's on their terms. Like yeah, yeah, mm, yeah. You yeah. can't walk a cat. No, God, no. Some Goy people cats. do. Goy cats. <laughs> Shout out to Will Um I'd rather have a cat with the personality of a dog. Yeah, I think that would... Because they're like, cats are more cuddly. And like, as you say, cats can be like slightly feral. So imagine that yeah. in the body of like a like oh, German a, shepherd. A German or shepherd like, just there having nothing got to do with you. Yeah. Know, coming in clawing at you to wake you up in the morning. Or, yeah. A friend of mine has a cat. And uh, he says like, do you know, because I like really nocturnal. So like half on in the morning, the cat just come in, just claw at his face and wake him up to give a dinner or food, whatever, first thing in the morning, claw at his face and you're like, is that not scary? 
Like you're just lying in bed, I think it's yeah, just jumping yeah. on top of your bed, walking around and all. Yeah, but it's not a toy guy, do you get me? I know, but still. It's it, just a cat. Yeah, Yeah, but clawing at your face and all. Oh, imagine like if they went to walk scrapes on your face and everyone's like, the missus give you a hoid and you're like, no, the cat. Yeah, no, the actually cat. my cat. You know what I mean? And they're bringing like dead birds to your door and stuff like that and trying, oh, keep mice away. but they bring they? live birds to you, apparently to train you because they can't tell whether you're like not the same as them, whereas dogs understand like... Oh, Terence is like not a dog, but cats are like, you're the same, mm. so I will train you to like kill mice and they bring mice into your house. Little shits. Yeah. Oh, like to test you. Like, yeah, hey, yeah. here's a rat deal well, with it's almost, like, no, it's almost like, let me teach you, stupid idiot, how to like yeah. feed yourself because you're going to die. And they don't connect, like, they have a fridge yeah. from where all my food comes from. Yeah. I'm still going to teach them to like hunt for them. Well, I heard, mad. Well, I heard that dogs, like, after so much time, they realize you're all one pack. So you're like, oh, these people that I live with are my people and like we're together and like let's move together kind of thing and I'm like this is very weird dogs are legends aren't they yeah Th- they're all right like we only have been having a discussion about dog people like I'm not a dog person and I oh, have a yeah. dog and oh yeah when I'm out walking the dog and people come home he's like oh it's up to you I'm like oh thanks and then they're like oh right, I have a dog as well and like her name is Millie she's like 12 and she's a Jack Russell and I'm like alright where is she and like oh we're at home like, alright then what are you stopping me for I don't care <laughs> look I'm going like, you know what I mean? or that one like when the dogs are mingling together and they're like oh so what's his name and does he do this and did he do that I'm like I don't know mate like I'm only stopping because my dog is sniffing your dog's hole see you later like, I'm not a dog person like, you do you like your dog though? Yeah, he's sound. Okay. I like him now. He's a great dog. What's he his is? name? Bruno. Oh, Bruno would Beagle, you stop yeah. my heart? Yeah. He called him Bruno for Bruno Fernandez, that plays for Manchester United though. Okay. Rightly so. But uh, because it was Thunder and <laughs> I'm Lightning sure today, he's yeah. honoured. <laughs> yeah. Because it was Thunder and Lightning today, he obviously doesn't know what Thunder is and the missus sent me a video of him. So he was lying in his bed and then the thunder went off and he got up and he just legged her out into the hall Aww. and just sat in the hall because there's no windows in the hall, obviously. Yeah. So he just sat there and he was like, this is the safest place to be. <laughs> What's this going on there? But uh, no, he's, I like him now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was he at, grew the, on at you. the start. It was tough because yeah. you're like teaching him not to shit in the floor, teaching him not to be chewing on the skirt boards. Oh, you got him yeah. when he was a puppy. Yeah, yeah like, oh, we have him from the start. Yeah. Like, but now he now he's good and he growls when there's people at the door and all. And I'm like, yes, that's good. It's like a yeah. good boy. Like you know what I mean? You want him to be like protected yeah. enough that like something happened. And he barked, you know, something's wrong. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, he wouldn't like, bite you though. No, he wouldn't bite you, but you don't cute. need a doctor to bite people. No. You just, just need to like alert the you to the danger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You ever see like some people's dogs are stupid, like a pigeon that fly by and they're like, wah, 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 yeah, like yeah. oh, it's just a pigeon. So <laughs> the next time you hear them bark and it's like, someone could be like literally taking your bike out of the garden. Yeah. And, oh, it's just a pigeon. No, your bike's Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyways, we're... we're where, how did we get there? Would you rather have a cat with a dog's personality right. or a dog with a cat personality? I'd have a cat, a cat with a dog's personality. Yeah, I think 100%. Do, yeah. 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 Have you got a cat or a dog? So we had lo- loads of cats. We had three in total. All passed away. Did you ever have a dog? No. Love dogs. Like, love dogs. I just think cats are kind of easier to mind because you can just, like, F off. Yeah, like, the cattle. Yeah. yeah, they do their own thing. But they're little shits. So they will go to the neighbor and be like, I'm homeless, feed me. Yeah. And so then you have no more cat. And then all of a sudden you're like, why does my neighbor have my cat on their sofa? Oh, they come back, like. <laughs> yeah, no, they would, but like they disappear for days or like for hours, and you're like, all right, gratitude. That's mad. Yeah, they're mad independent. Yeah, they yeah. don't care. Like we have a neighbor where my parents live. Their cat has adopted us, so he just refuses to go. Yeah, he home. adopted you. He adopted <laughs> us. Yeah, that's how it works with cats. Yeah. They own you, and um, he just like turned up at our door one day and was just meowing his head off for hours under the rain, under the snow. So we eventually let him in. Never fed him. And then one day he turned up with a cut. So we were like, okay, we'll take him to the vet, get this like scene to 
and then we'll check because he must have a tag or something. And sure enough, he lives like two doors down. So we turn up with this cat. The lady opens the door and she's like, that's my cat. And I was like, I know he keeps coming to our house. And she's like, to be honest, I've got four and he hates them. So he just, he wants to be the center of attention. So he just decided to fuck off and adopt us instead. What a legend. And that's, yeah. that's like so much personality and intelligence going on in this team that's living in your house. Like he should be paying rent. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> doing chores, they washing dishes. They yeah. need to earn that keep. Yeah. That's too much for me. No, yeah, really. Just got a goldfish, like, you know what I mean? A few <laughs> sprinkles I feel with bum, don't worry about them. Yeah. Done. But yeah. Have you got a singer? Yeah, I do. So do I. Right. Go on. And I don't know if we've done it it's before. deep. No, and oh, that's why no. I think we must have done it before because it's so simple. When you go to the chipper, is it a battered sausage or a sausage and batter? Batter sausage. Battered sausage, I would say? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Never heard the other one. A sausage and batter? I've heard of all Anybody out there says a sausage and batter. You are Never wrong. listen to another episode. What don't we just? Sausage and batter. That's a milk. You need to be yeah. careful what you say there because imagine we get the, like, the poll results back next week and it's like 70% say sausage and batter on the list. Unfollow, 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 yeah, unfollow. Like, Right. Uh, Sausage and batter, that's yeah. what give me anxiety. Like the fastest way to say battered sausage. Yeah, but like you'd say a batter burger as well. You know yeah, I mean? batter yeah. burger. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. Would say a burger batter. and batter. No, so it's a batter sausage. A fish in batter. No. Yeah, so batter. Chips and garlic sauce. Like, no, garlic chips. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. No, right. Battered sausage. End the story. I don't want to hear that now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm done with that. I have a singer. I don't, I don't think we've done it before. And it's a great singer. I don't care. That, so where... All right. Did you ever have Declan and Donald's in Bolton Street? No. Right. It's a breakfast roll place, yeah? I know okay. this is going to be a controversial one. Oh, it is controversial. I know, I know already what it's going to be. Yeah, one you know, I know yeah. you know what it is. Decos or Jersey Deli? See, you're going to cause such oh. a divide. <laughs> There's going to be murder in Dublin. When Do you know Jerry's Deli? No, I don't it's think so. Ballyferma? Ballyferma. And then Declan and Donald's is on Bolton Street slash Stars Estuary. Yeah. But like, this is like... If you say to someone where does the best breakfast roll, you can tell where they're from by what they eat. Oh, by like where they so, say. Like, What's it called? Declan and Donald's is yeah. Bolton Street. Bolton and then Jerry's Deli is Ballyferma. Yeah. And like people get so really like aggressive. So it's outside kind of thing. Oh, yeah. I see. Yeah. Like if you say to someone. That's intense. Yeah, if someone's like, oh, Jerry's Deli's nice as new, you say, ah, no, I prefer Deco's. It's like, you'll start going head to head and all. Like, yeah. More than like. Civil War, you're going to call it. Yeah. So I want to say. Right, so I had a Jerry's Deadly not too long ago for the first time, and it was 10 out of 10. Right. But that guy was just 11 out of 10 for me. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just, I can't be beaten. I've never had a Jersey, so I don't actually want to say. Well, I've been telling you about that since the start. Yeah, and, and, when, you and when I did have it, it was unbelievable. So. How nice though. It was, no, it was, it was unbelievable. And the breakfast roll was like, I've ha- I've held lighter babies than this. Oh <laughs> my, it yeah, was that's fucking proper, yeah. And even the coffee is lovely over Every. as well. So it's gigantic. And do you know how you know it's good? Because if you went up at like quarter to 11, they'd be sold out of everything. Yeah. That's how that's you know it's good. That's good. It's yeah. a constant kills, like, yeah. like kill for the labour. So I really recommend it. Yeah. No, I'll go try, I'll vote in the thing tonight. I'll go get one now <laughs> after the show. But uh, I'm going to have to try it, Jules. You'll have to try it. I got one the other week and I'm not messing with you. It was 10 out of 10. Mm. But uh, Decos will just never be beaten in my eyes. I've never heard someone say that not good though. I've never heard someone talk about jerseys and be like, oh, it's all right. They've always said it's brilliant. <coughs> always the same about Decos as well. Yeah, so that's the zinger. There's going to be more though. Yeah, look. Everyone directs our hate towards Sarans this week. No, don't that the bollocks down. <laughs> Decos are jerseys. Yeah, moving on. Right. Uh, Suggestions, Calvin. Suggestions. 
what did I want to talk about this week? I don't know. You said something. I, I want to give a shout out to actually my two good mates, James and Emily. They got married the weekend. Uh, kicking off my big run of weddings of seven weddings now this was number one it was actually number two I didn't get invited to the first one the missiles was at but that's where I got my zinger I was headlocked by numerous amount of people over the weekend come here it was very quiet in the ceremony very quiet in the meal once the meal once the dessert was on the table it was like everyone was on my ear then have a zinger for you have a zinger and that's where I got told you it's hard work I was only saying beforehand like I was at a funeral a few months ago there's people down the back of the church going, would you rather get buried that clean oh, God. <laughs> Do you like King I take them? Saying, lads, for fuck's Would you relax? Like, Some read the room. Some poor fella in a box up there. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> actually buried that clean mate. Like, really you should carry him. on like a diary and every time they come near you, like, just write it in the diary, leave me alone. Don't yeah, like that's right. so no, like, yeah. Message me on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Message, yeah sorry. And, message and on Instagram. Else. Do you like, message you? I was like, Message, message, message to podcast. Mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Message, yeah. message. message Terence. He really wants. Yeah, to yeah. I'd walk though everywhere you go. Yeah, so like, I'd say King so, I'd yeah. though. You're like, mate, fuck off. Yeah. Just send them to the page. Yeah, send them yeah, to the page. yeah. yeah. I'll forget it. Genuinely, I will forget. Yeah. yeah. So say it then. But I want to give a shout out to them. Anyways, it was a beautiful ceremony. They uh, they literally only planned the wedding about twenty minutes ago. Like one day, wrote into the group like on a Monday, oh lads, I might be getting married, and then like Tuesday, it was like here's the date, here's the time. I was like, hang on, that's a big jump in twenty hours. Might be it, definitely am. Yeah. The date, like. yeah. But uh, they had a. He said he was having a small wedding as well. It was one hundred and seventy people at it. I was like, that's not a small. Jesus Christ! How did they find a venue that fast? Don't know, but they pulled it out of the bag because uh, I want to give a shout out. They had a fella playing guitar while the ceremony was going on. So like. Uh, in the build-up to it, then the bride came down and then he played more songs when they were singing in the register and all that. Oh. And he was singing Jason Mraz, I'm yours. Right, and I was deadly. I got, I got emotional and all. Yeah. I sat down and I turned around to me, Mrs. like, this is tough. Like a funeral. I was like, this is tough. I'm crying. <laughs> and, uh, like the the boys. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're now he's putting up a hassle now for the rest of his life. Yeah. <laughs> but he's singing I'm yours and when I got to the course, so I was like, I won't. Is a, the whole wedding will start singing. Oh, that's 170 lovely. people in Yonison will start yeah. clapping and singing. I was like, oh, that's unbelievable. Everyone full of hell. Yeah, sobbing. basically yeah, what yeah. it was. And then like that night and the next day and oh, I was just brilliant. Like, you know what I mean? And I've oh, never yeah. been proud of someone in my life as well. Like the fella oh. doing his life around. So shout out to the gym and I have to give a shout out to Emily as well because she messaged me. I put up a post on Instagram and she was like, oh, I'm getting married as well. I was like, that's a valid point. <laughs> <laughs> so I have yeah. to give her a shout out as well. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. So, Real. The That's all I'm on. That all you have talked Yeah, about. I felt like I had something else to say, but I forget now. Coming in there? Yeah, I forget now. Yeah, no, that sound. I think we're at the waffling on, anyways, didn't we? Yeah, I blame Sarah. Like, Sarah, yeah. you actually come in with about four things or so. Like, yeah. usually guests come in and be like, oh, I don't know. But, like, you I actually did don't my homework. Know. Yeah. So, like, yeah, and our heads were scrambled. And she brought cakes in as well. Ah, shell out for the cakes. Oh, yeah, you'll have to, like, like eat them first. Yeah, I was going to read them. Oh, from the last one. Well done. That was the test. Well done, you passed. Yeah, so they're cakes in any way. Calisons, I call it. Calisons. Are Did I get that right? They're calisons. Yeah. Yeah, they're lovely. Calisons. Je m'appelle. Je m'appelle. Bonjour. Thanks very much for the cakes. You're so welcome. Love them, love them. So we'll test them out with a cup of tea afterwards and whatever. But for now, we're going to jump into yourself. And every guest, back to the start. Yeah. So if you want to tell us 
Well, yeah, for now, what life is like growing up. And you know, you'd put my feet up and be like, yeah. yeah, it all started when. Um, so where I'm from, you'd never tell from the accent. My mom's French, so half French, half Irish. My dad's from Dublin, bounced around a bit. We would have grown up mainly in France and kind of then moved to Japan. So that's where you got the calisson from. That's where I got the calisson from. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, there's a, there's a link here. I'm threading it through. Um, but so, yeah, like, did like a stint in Japan. So... My sister and I are what my dad affectionately calls mongrels because we kind of grew up all over the place. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, so yeah, like yeah. different, like just very used to different cultures and stuff. And we'd come to Ireland for like the summer holidays and we were like, this is fucking freezing. Yeah. And they were like, it's a heat wave, 14 degrees. And we were like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was very happy with this heat wave for the record. Um, but yeah, I guess grew up mainly in France and then five years in Japan, came back to France when I was in... High school, middle school, high school? Secondary you guys have secondary school, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to get caught out on words so much. That's the only way you can tell. Like, there is a time where I remember not being able to speak English. Like, I didn't understand the language. And now, like, I didn't have this accent when I moved here six years ago. It came on, like, within a year. So, I know, it's weird. That's, That's mad. mad. Isn't really? it weird? Because, like, I thought, when you said, like, oh, you bounced around, I thought, like, oh, yeah, you got to Ireland when you were, like, 11. Yeah, no, so I got here in 2016. <laughs> 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I know, but nobody could understand me, so I just, like, I didn't do it on purpose. Like, they say it's called having a musical ear. I can't sing to save my life, so. Give it a bash there, come on. <laughs> no, there. no, you're that <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm leaving. Um, but no, moved here in 2016 and then like during COVID went home. So been here really five years. Yeah. Um, but when you say went weird. home, you went to France. To France, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's where my family lives. Where in France? Um, near Paris. I don't know if you know Versailles. You know the big castle? I know where Versailles. I've been there. The West Wing. That's where we live. No, yeah. um, so we live in like a tiny village like outside of Versailles. So it's just gorgeous. Like it's the countryside. Yeah. Like very green. People are... Much nicer than the Parisians. I heard Paris is a kip. Yes, I have to think carefully now because I have many of my friends are from Paris. I love you, but um, they can be assholes. Um, it's You just have to give them a little pep talk. Like if I were to introduce my French friends to you guys, like any guys, I just have to give them a little pep talk of like, be nice. Yeah. None of this like scanner look like up and down, like judging people. We're having none of that. Irish people are lovely. And then they are actually the sweetest. It's just like these mannerisms they yeah. learn and they're like very judgy and stuff. So I couldn't get out of there fast enough because when we grew up in Japan, it was like super international. Like it was an American school, loads of different cultures and like very like that Anglo-Saxon, like, you know, English, Irish, American kind of culture, which is very different to France, Spain, Italy. Yeah. So when we went back to France, I like hated it. I was like, is this savagery carnage like I hate it so I'm much happier there now obviously but obviously the food is better now oh the food's great yeah, yeah. although food in Japan was pretty pretty good even yeah. as a child we were like they're onto something this is good yeah um but yeah kind of bizarre so then I did um university in London which was also like super international so I never really had, like, I'm so jealous of people who have the roots, you know, and they just, like, they know they come from somewhere, like, their families always lived here, the friends are here, like, 
I'm very envious of that because we can bounce around and yeah. adapt anywhere, but you're like, there's nowhere. You know, that you hang your hat and say, that's home. Yeah, exactly. So like to me, if you ask me where's home, it's like where my parents are. So if they were to move to Spain tomorrow, I'd be like, right, that's home. Yeah. yeah. Have you got family here? I do, yes. Yeah. Like so I've got like um, uncles and aunts and like a whole bunch of cousins. My dad is like the youngest of five, like by far. There was like a big gap and then yeah. we were like, oh shit. Um, and then my dad came along. So my cousins are all much older. Um, but they're so lovely. Yeah. But they're scattered all over the place, you know? So they're like in Kilkenny and like Galway and just draw it in all over the place. So don't get to see them as much as I'd like to. Yeah. Yeah. How, how did you get on in school and stuff? Good. Like, I kind of was absolutely crap at math and science and all of those things. Like, I was much more in the creative kind of English side yeah. of things so they, like you know when you come More to like artistic one. Yeah, yeah so when it came to like choosing a career they were like please for the love of God nothing that requires math because you will <laughs> not get through so it's like architecture no medicine no and I was like fine um but then I used to like I'd love to argue with people I won't put you guys through but I used to love a good argue like a good you know not not like a we're getting in a fight like a good like argument a like a zinger like you know you're yeah. like thinking it through so they kept being like, you'll be a lawyer someday. And sure enough, that's where I headed to for my sins. Um, a lawyer. Yeah. Solicitor. Get out. <laughs> There's the door. No, Leave. Like we said, we have a few mixers right after this. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. We'll keep it around. <laughs> I charge by the hour, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the the weird. It, yeah, it's kind of a weird. Like when I tell the story, I'm always like, I bounced around a lot. There's no real like thread to this story. It's just like a mess. Um yeah. But like, you know, made friends every time we, because we moved a lot, like even within Japan, we moved, we did Tokyo, Osaka, in France, we moved, we did Lyon, Paris. So like every few years was kind of moving and making new friends. And then when we came back and I did my second, I did my whole secondary school then in one place. So that was a bit more stable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just didn't love the culture, like the school. I think the biggest difference between schools in France and schools in like Ireland or the UK is here the teachers will always be like, well, like Sarah's not great at math, but she's got potential. <laughs> Maybe mm. we can work with this. And, you know, they're always trying to like, I don't know if they're correcting homework or something. They'll like start from zero and add points to whatever you have. In France, it's the other it's way around. So they start hundred. from yeah. like 20 because it's out of 20 and they're like minus one, minus one, minus yeah. one. So you very quickly get to like zero or or like way under the the, the like 10. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just that whole culture didn't like sit right with me. And I was like, I, I'm not into this. So then moved to London and fell in love with the place because everybody was so different. And it was like... We don't care where you come from. We don't like in France, I would have been like the weird kid that grew up in Japan. Yeah. But then in London, There's everyone's just yeah. mental. Yeah. So it was like, be whatever. And you settled here in what, 2016? Since 2016, yeah. So I moved here, like I did, I traveled a bit after university and then came here for a job. And like being really candid, like when I moved here, I was dragging my heels. Like I didn't want to be here. I did, like I had family, but I wasn't close to them. And I just, my whole life was in London and France. I didn't really know people here. There was kind of just, nothing was selling it to me. And it was a bit of a culture shock because, you know, like here, I tell people I'm French and they're like, oh, you're so exotic. And I'm like, <laughs> really? Like, <laughs> that's like very close. Um, but like very quickly, like fell in love with the Irish people. And just now I'm really happy here and I wouldn't trade it for the world. But it took a while to get there, if that makes mm. sense. Mm. Yeah. 
understandably though. Yeah. In fairness, blatant pandemic as well in the middle of it all. That, yeah, <coughs> that was it too. And then, you know, even like, I still, my mates make fun of me because I still get caught out. I'll be like, you know, what's a gaff? Like, you know, I don't yeah. have all the culture stuff yeah. or like, you know, the breakfast rolls or whatever. Like I only recently, well, not recently, within the last like three years discovered what a chicken fillet roll was because I just didn't have that as a basis. Yeah. And, and then, so... And that was the first day of the rest of your life. Yeah, well, yeah. actually, wait till you hear this. I, I was like, what do you put in a chicken fillet roll? And they were like, like a roll with chicken. And I was like, yeah, but like, what are the other ingredients? And they were like, just anything. Yeah. So I... Now be kind. I I'll went in. Say red sauce. Oh, please. Now I'm afraid that we're going to have to cut the whole episode. Yeah, we're going to have to. Yeah. We have to let it go. Yeah, so, yeah I think I'm going to have to yeah. wrap it up. <laughs> we're done. I went in, so got chicken, and then I got red peppers, black olives, and I can't. <laughs> See, that's how cultured you are. <laughs> but you know no, I mean? but like, we I didn't know, know and I was like, what goes with it? I don't mean. know. <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? What's a black olive like? Like an you definitely can't get them in your yeah. average centre or anything. Like it was that. in Spar. And no I was way. just like, yeah, I spar and bleed and bald braids. But see, so I'm like, in every country, like in Ireland, in England, and in France, I lack the like, Ma- I have major like culture gaps and people yeah. are like what do you mean you don't know this and I'm like because I wasn't in the country and they get like then, snails and my chicken filler roll and all yeah mm. so even like in terms of school like you know so say in France like the biggest thing in history is like the French Revolution Ob- like we covered that but then I have other big things that I just like totally missed or you know when I moved here my dad was like we need to talk about the Easter Rising because like this is going to come up and you know 800 years blah blah and I was like you know, trying to like learn all yeah. of this. Mm. So I remember the first time I went to Belfast and, you know, my dad would talk about the troubles and, you know, as a child, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah okay, yeah. back in your day. And then went there and kind of saw it and saw the walls and saw everything. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, this is still very real. Yeah. But I just had no, like, I really had no roots here. Like there was kind of nothing here that I, I could relate to, if that makes sense. Yeah. So considering that, like how rooted I feel here now, I'm very grateful for. Mm. Deadly. Do you think it took what happened to you for that to happen? Yep, definitely. And even like after that, obviously there was a period of like, I associated Dublin with what happened. So I was like, screw I don't want to be, be here. No. And it just, it wasn't like, I mean, we'll get into it, but it wasn't, you know, an isolated incident. It was like the incident. And then the two years that led up to the trial or like the year and a half, whatever it was and everything that followed. So I think like once the trial was over and I went public with the story, and like the inpour of like support and love and just there wasn't one troll, there wasn't one remotely nasty comment. And that's where like the healing began. And then I just started kind of applying what I was preaching of you need to focus on your healing and on things that make you happy. Mm-hmm. So you need to like trim the fat, or like, you know, a job that doesn't make you happy, a, you know, location you're living in that doesn't make you happy, you know, maybe friends or patterns you're doing that just aren't working for you, you need to cut. So I that that definitely helped. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think <coughs> I saw the paint around the bush a little bit. Yeah, it's hard to get into a serious topic like It's that. not an easy topic mm. to start. No, so I, I think the tail was yeah. Yeah, well, let's just be mature about it, yeah. Yeah, like this is yeah. this this is obviously a tough one to talk about, definitely for you. And and if you don't mind me saying, like, I'm in awe and really impressed that you guys are approaching this topic, and I think it's so important for men to approach this topic. And I have so much more respect for the fact that you're not going in like cool as a cucumber. We've got this because it is an awkward mm. topic. Like even I. Like, I'm so comfortable talking about it, but mm. if somebody doesn't know, that's where I'm like, how do you 
bring up like, oh, yeah. and by the way, this thing happened to me. So like, I'm really looking forward to this conversation because I think we're just exploring. And that's what you're passing on to your audience is like, this isn't an easy topic. So let's just try to like talk about it. And, you know, yeah, it's going to get awkward in places. Yeah. And that's that's OK. Like, I don't know if normalizes the word for it, but like, let's just not stigmatize it. Exactly, least, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So do you want me to dive yeah, into it and spare yeah, you guys yeah. the intro? Um, so, and I'll, I'll start with like a healthy trigger warning, I guess, for the audience. Um, so I'm like a, the survivor of a quite a violent sexual assault, which happened actually three years ago to this day, almost like it was three years yesterday. So, we're mm, sorry, no, we're the 19th, the day before yesterday, three years. Um, That's madness. Yeah. And so what I was saying to you guys before the show is, I normally don't go into like the details of what happened because mm-hmm. I can just do that asshole thing of like, just buy my book. <laughs> but like, um, <laughs> I think it's, book as well. yeah, no, sorry, but like, forget the book. This is, I think it's important for people to like hear humans talk about man or woman or whatever, you know, non-binary, I don't care. Like, it's important for us to to kind of talk about it. And I think maybe your audience would be very different to the the audiences I've talked to before, you know, like sometimes I'm talking and I feel like I'm talking to like, an audience of like 90% women and I feel like I'm preaching to the choir. Mm. So if there are actually men or women, because, you know, both can be survivors, just a maybe trigger warning. Like if you want to skip ahead, because it can get quite violent, but I'll go gently. Um, So what happened was, getting a bit nervous now, um, about, so sorry, three years ago, uh, I lived in a flat on the ground floor. Um, It was three years ago, so we had a heat wave. It was July, very, very hot. And I had come home from a a weekend, like a long weekend in Galway. So like, you know, when you come back to your flat and it's really stuffy, you can't breathe. You're like, oh my God. So I had actually gone straight into work. And then I got home that evening and I was like, Jesus Christ, because it was so humid as well. Um, So I popped the window open, you know, showered, had dinner, whatever, was really excited about my work. Like I was at a really exciting time in my career. Like I had just qualified as a solicitor, you know, things were looking up, things were happening. Like I was in that, the excitement zone of where's my career going to go? So I went to sleep like... I don't know, 11 or midnight or something like that. And then I'm normally like a super light sleeper, but for some reason that night, that fateful night, I wasn't. So what happened was I, before going to bed, I checked the window again and it was on, you know, that like that safety latch where it can't go more than like a few inches. Um, And I remember when we moved in, I had asked about that and I was like, how st- like safe is that? And they were like, oh, like you're absolutely grand. You know, if you leave for the weekend, make like close it because nobody would hear the loud noise, but like you'd hear someone coming in. They were wrong. Um, so what happened was a burglar broke into my house. Um, he was a homeless man. He'd burgled a couple of other spots before my place and he broke in through my bedroom window. So... This is where the kind of the trigger warning comes, I guess. And I'll flag it on the other side when it's like we're in the clear. Um, I didn't wake up. He broke in through the window, climbed onto my bed. I didn't wake up. Um, Sorry, before he climbed onto my bed, he burgled basically the whole apartment. So like he burgled my phone, my work phone, like, you know, wallet, jewelry box, everything. Went back out to stash the loot and then came back in. So the second time he came in, I was, you know, clearly premeditated. I didn't know this at the time. I found out at the trial. 
Um, and so climbed onto my bed. I didn't wake up. And then I just remember like the first thing when I came around and I started waking up was I couldn't see anything. Like it was, sorry, it was pitch black. And normally like I can see there's a very like bright street lamp outside my door, outside my window. So I can see the light streaming in. And I was like, that's weird. Like I can't see. So then I felt this weight on my chest. And you know when you're kind of coming out of like a deep sleep and really yeah, groggy? You don't know what's going on. Exactly, yeah. So I was kind of like, what is happening? And I mean, this all happens in milliseconds. Like when I tell the story, you know, I like Sound drag it out because yeah. it does like time slows down. But couldn't open my eyes and I was like, like, am I having sleep paralysis or something? This is weird. And then the smell hit me and it was like the smell of like body odor and stale cigarettes. Like, you know, that like disgusting, heavy smell that's in your clothes and your hair. So... I kind of realized like something's not right. So I tried to sit up and I couldn't and I still couldn't see. And I was like, are my, am I having sleep paralysis? Like, are my eyes closed? Realized my eyes were open, tried to sit up again. And then I felt like something very slimy, like lick my... So he was basically licking my neck and like touching me in all places. And I again, your mind races when you wake up. And I was like, do I have a dog that I forgot about like am I staying at a friend's house like do I have a boyfriend that's like very and then I was like no I'm single like last time I checked I was single so I tried to get up a third time and that time the man that was on top of me like leans back so kind of sits up and I could see his face against like the the light it was kind of like backlit but I could make out like you know stubble he had a baseball bat a uh, baseball ball cap on thank you <laughs> the Frenchie coming through the wits the cap um and like tattoos and stuff and so again like your mind this is through like milliseconds but your mind is trying to make sense of the like nonsensical and I was like okay maybe like I fainted I went home like we had we needed to get the electrician in so it's like maybe okay I let the electrician in I must have fainted and he's just waking me up and like this is I'm just having a nightmare like I'm gonna wake up and you know we're all gonna laugh about this over over breakfast um but I kind of just tried to sit up and I was like what's happening and so he leaned back down and he had his hand on my throat and he started shushing me like like the audacity and so there I realized like okay something is seriously wrong like this is a complete stranger so the kind of fight or flight started kicking in and I started being like, what's happening? What's happening? And he just kept pinning me down onto the bed. So I think he wasn't expecting me that first time to resist as much because I kind of just like thrashed around and like, thankfully there was still a blanket between us. So I kind of like just bucked my hips and like threw him over the side of the bed and like the blankets went sailing after him. And I leapt to the other side of the bed to try to run to the door. And I'm still, you know, at this stage, like, who the fuck is this guy? What's happening? How did he get in? Is he armed? Is there an accomplice? Like, you're just trying to get out. And so before I could make it to my door, he had like sprung back onto his feet and chased me. It was like, so it was like a bedroom. And then there was like a wee like little corridor where all the cupboards were. And there was my bedroom door. So before I can hit the door, he grabs me from behind. I can't actually remember if it was like my hair or my hips or whatever, but anyway, grabs me and throws me on the floor. So that's where like the very violent fight started to happen. So I landed face down. I knew it was coming. 
So like I flipped around to like face him and sure enough, he was like coming down. So he had me like, he was like straddling me. So I was pinned under his weight, couldn't move. And then he started proper strangling, like as in I could not breathe. I could not scream. And I've got my back to the floor, you know, like your head is pinned to the floor. And I'm like adrenaline is this insane thing. Like it just courses through your body and just everything slows down. And at this stage, I was like, I need to like, I'm, I was fully like, first of all, I was fully like, I'm going to die. So that was the thought that went into my head. And I had just left my parents in Galway and I was like, that's the last time I'm going to see my parents. And like, I thought of my sister and I was like, they're going to have to come into this room, clear out all my stuff because I'm going to be dead. And I just remember thinking over my dead body. And so I started fighting back. And again, I think he wasn't expecting that. And it, I reached, I don't know where, like it's every time I did something, it's almost like my body would react before I formed the thought. So I was like, okay, I'm going to die. He's going to kill me. So I need to kill him. And before I formed that thought, my hands were around his throat and I started strangling back and like shoving my like thumbs into his throat so that clearly surprised him because he completely let go for a second. And so I was able to like strangle more, like get a better grip because his arms were out of the way. And he tried to bring his hands back to like get mine off his and like, you know, he's a man, like he's going to overpower me. So I was like, next thought was, you know, again, before I could form the thought, my hands were upholding his face and trying to dig my thumbs into his eyes. And that got him to like withdraw even more. And then I was like, I'm still pinned under his weight. I know I was like, I need to like immobilize him, like punch him in the stomach or something. But sure, you're pinned to the ground. So like you're, you've, you've got no room to take the punch or anything. And like, I'm a yoga teacher. I don't normally fight people, but it's like, it's this animalistic need to stay alive that just sets into your body. And so I was like, right, I can't take a punch. Next, you know, vulnerable point I've done the eyes, I've done the throat was his crotch. So I just like, again, before that thought had formed, my hands were like on his crotch and just like, I was like, you've got one shot at this. Do not blow it. So again, didn't form the thought, just hand crushed around his crotch and like twisted and pulled down because, you know, like in for a penny, in for a pound. And so like that, I've never heard somebody scream like that. And he kind of fell over to the side. And so... I kind of like scrambled to my feet, tried to like lunge towards the door. But basically when I turned and I kind of was still, you know, when you're about to take like a, a like we are about to sprint, you start in that kind of lunge position. So just before I could actually start running, he committed the sexual assault, which I'll go into gently. So again, if you find this triggering, you know, fast forward Um but I just remember this like pain erupting through my core. And I was like, I've been stabbed. And I couldn't tell where the pain was coming from initially because it's that fast. And so I didn't stop. And I was like, just keep running, just keep running. And by the time I got to the door, which was like half a second, I realized like that was his fingers. And what happened was he had very like long fingernails. So they caused like a cut the whole way up inside of like a few inches by the time I was at the door, I remember thinking, fine, 
if this is what it takes for me to get out of this alive, fine. Like, I'll take it. And I tried to open the door and the door was locked. And I was like, that's it, shot blown. He's right behind me, like, now I'm going to die because I've escaped twice and he's chased me twice, so I'm screwed. Um, but I turned around and I saw him, like, running away. And so I kind of just thought, like, fine. Turned back around, scrambled with the lock. And, like, I had locked that door. So he basically had come in through the bedroom window. I put those two together afterwards. But I ran outside. Oh, sorry. This is what PTSD does to your brain. I haven't told this story in a while. When we were on the floor and I was being strangled, I was, like, trying to scream at the top of my lungs. So he put his hand, like, over my mouth. So he had, like, the skin between the thumb and the index finger, like, above my upper lip. So I couldn't breathe. Even it was, like, hard to breathe through the nose. And again, like, that animalistic need to stay alive just kicked in. And I bit off, like, a piece of the skin. And I just remember, like, my teeth coming into contact, taste of metal, ripped it out spat it out and like that proved like critical to identifying him later on so sorry then back to I got to the door ran outside basically raised the alarm with my two other flatmates so who had heard the screams but they live on the other side of the apartment and it all happened so fast that I saw like one of their lights flick on like this was 3 a.m so again you know groggy like what the hell is happening here and so I ran into one of my flatmates' rooms and then we tried to slam the door shut and there was like resistance in the door. And I was like, fuck, again, that's it. He's coming after us, we're dead. And then we looked down and there was a few funny moments through this, which is weird, like when I talk about it, but even in the book, I thread this through, her blanket had gotten caught in the door. So, you know, we were like, you know, that Jurassic Park scene where they're like, like shouldering the door against those dinosaurs. We we're like, get him the fuck out. And then we looked down and we're like, get the move, that and then like slammed the door and so we had like a moment where we were like okay what do we do like does he have an accomplice does he have a gun is he coming back he can easily break this door down like we'd locked it so like she threw me a coat I like grabbed a coat for herself and we jumped out her window into this little courtyard and then basically kind of just try we did a lap of the courtyard but sure everybody was asleep we were just looking for help but I was so terrified at this stage of like not making noise because I didn't know where he was. Mm. And like to this day, I still don't really remember him. Like I know I saw his face, but like my mind has just shut that down. And like I have a vague memory of the jawline and that's it. So my we texted my other flatmate who like joined through her window and we were like, it's 3 a.m. on a Tuesday or Wednesday. Like, nothing's open. Like, where can we go? There's an Eddie Rockets. It's closed. Like, there's nothing for blocks. And like, you know, like in a street, you can hear the echo of someone running. So I'm like, what the fuck do we do? So we called a taxi, like an Uber. And we were like, we'll hide in the taxi until he gets here. Until, sorry, we'll hide in the taxi until the, the police gets here. Because we'd called them in my flatmate's house, in my flatmate's room. Getting so nervous. Um, so did that, waited for about, I couldn't tell you, like 10 minutes, something like that. It felt like a long time. And again, you're just on that like high alert of 
you know, every time you heard an echo, you're like, that's him. He's coming for us. And I was like, even just the the flash of the screen, I was like, he's going to see like we're dead in the water. Um, but anyway, the taxi driver arrived. So we like hurtled into the taxi and then just as we were closing the door and I just remember we were like, just drive. And he was like, where to? I was like, I don't just drive. The police came around the corner and we, I didn't, they were in that, like, you know, the summer gear with the, like the short, like shirts and everything. And, um, and they were like, you all right, ladies. And I was like, what the fuck is this? So my other flatmate, we were all solicitors. They like jumped into action mode and they were like, show me your badge. Show me where, where, where do you report to? What's the station? Blah, blah, blah. He clearly like did not like this, but indulged us. And so then she's like, right. So my flatmate's been assaulted. Like, this is what's happened blah, blah, blah. And I remember we were standing outside the flat as more police were arriving. We had to wait for a while because it's the scene of the crime. And also we didn't have the keys to get back into the house because we ran without anything. Mm. So they had to go around the back of the window, climb back in. So I'm just standing there in complete shock. And you were talking about not feeling your emotions earlier, like nothing, absolutely numb to the world, which at that stage is a blessing. But I just, so, you know, the guard was like, tell us what happened. And my flatmates sort of had an idea, but they just heard the screams. They didn't know fully what happened. And so, you know, I go into detail and then I'm like, and then, you know, like basically digital, like penetration or whatever. And I just, it meant nothing to me. It was like, well, that's that, you know, just numb to the world. And I just remember turning around and they were both like tears strolling down their eyes. And I was like, why are you crying? Like, I just, that was the point of how little I could feel. I was just like numb to the world. So then what was interesting was we got back into the flat and we had to do like, you know, a recon of what had happened. So we went back in and I mean, I was like using one of the guards as a human shield. <laughs> I was like, you go in front and if he's still there, you can tackle him. And we went into my room and I flick on the lights and I was like, I must have dreamt this. This can't have happened. Like, this does not happen. And there was the baseball cap on the floor. And then, like, you know, like, lamps had been knocked over, like, bed sheets thrown all over the place. And there was the blood spatter of the hand on the wall. And I was like, this happened. Like, I didn't dream it. So anyway, we start, like you know, more and more guards arriving because what had happened was they had been, like they were the initial team that was called for the other burglaries. But then we called them about an assault. There was, there must have been like three teams there. I mean, the place was like full of guards and they were kind of, you know, all over the place. It was, we were in shock. I couldn't keep track of what was happening. Um, But we're kind of sitting there. And so there were two things that I think is super important for the audience as well, because this, you know, like, you know, heaven forbid this ever happens to you. But if it does, I had no idea what to do. And it's only in hindsight and, you know, with the help of my flatmates that I realized actually like there's very clear things you should know. So one of them was, you know, they say, oh, listen, you've been through enough tonight. Like it's 4 a.m. or whatever. Um, we'll just take your name, your details and your occupation and then you'll come in for the statement tomorrow. Now, that one I pushed back on hard because I remember like having studied criminal law and they're like, whatever you do, always, always, always get your statement in before you go to sleep because yeah. sleep like <clears throat> fucks with your memory. 
And then you can always do a follow-up statement later. Like you can do three, four, ten. Like the more stuff you remember, just keep coming back for more. So I was like, no, like also, sorry, there's no way I'm going to sleep now. So like, let's get this done. Um, so that's like a big one to remember. The other one is... I kind of, again, had no idea what to do. And in the book, I talk like there's a whole chapter on this. I talk about if somebody catches fire, we all know stop, drop and roll. Now, I don't know about you guys. Like I have never seen somebody catch fire. I've never heard of somebody catching fire, but we all know this and we just know it in the hope we never have to use it. It should be exactly the same for sexual assault, particularly because the statistics are like way higher. And it's not just for, you know, the court case, if there is one, it's for like, the police to catch the guy. It's for your own healing. It's for, you know, if you feel like you froze or you fawned instead of fighting or fl- or fleeing, you get that sense of power back of I'm doing stuff right now to like, you know, help my healing and get justice for myself, which is so empowering. And that like those few hours after the attack and like I had no idea about this at the time, but I with hindsight, hindsight's a beautiful thing. I realized how important those hours were to like seal the narrative in my mind. So between basically bossing those poor guards around, being like, nope, we're not doing that. We're going to the station now. And, um, you know, please be sure when you go near the evidence to put on, you know, the like sterile equipment and blah, blah, like all of that stuff. You kind of start taking your power back bit by bit. And that is like fundamental to your healing. So the other thing that they, like, they meant really well in fairness to them. Like, they were a lovely team. They were way out of their depth because they had been called for a burglary. They had, they had no training in, like, sexual assault, which is insane. Like, mm. insane. They should, that should be, like, your 101. Yeah. Everybody's going to go through some form of it and you just want to be, like, you know, feel prepared. Like, that blows my mind. Like, police are called... When there's a crime. When you need help, yeah. When you need help. And like, you know, I've heard countless survivors have shared their stories with me and, you know, were called hysterical or were told wrong things or whatever by, you know, guards that weren't doing a good job. Mine, God love them, were. But they, <laughs> like, there were a few things where you were like, that could, fuck, that could have really tanked the trial. So one of the things they said was, I went up to one of them. I couldn't find the chief guy, like he'd gone somewhere. So I went to one of the juniors and I was like, look, like I've been sexually assaulted here. Like, you know, I'm not injured or anything, but I feel like I should go to hospital. Like, what's the, what do I do? And so he was kind of like, first of all, so clueless. And he was kind of like horrified that I had asked the question because he was, you know, he's uncomfortable and I get it. Like it is a difficult thing. And like, it's not his fault. He should get the training. But so then there was this whole like fucking hassle, like calling people over to be like, she was sexually assaulted, by the way. And you're like, thanks. Now the whole neighbors know that's great. Um, but so the one of the more senior guys came over and he meant so well, but he kind of almost like patted me on the shoulder and he was like, look, um, if you go to hospital, they're going to do a full medical examination. It's going to be very invasive. So I wouldn't recommend it. If I had listened to him, that creature who did that to me would have walked and attacked countless others because he had like some track record of um, like priors. But I kind of, again, was in so much shock that if I had been on my own, 
<laughs> I'd have you been like, done. okay, <laughs> you know, like you, you just don't question these things. They're a figure yeah. of authority. And yeah, like, like they had a professional in that situation. Exactly. Like they should be, and again, they should have the training of like, absolutely, we are going to take you to Sasha immediately. And they should have told me, and I, you know, talk through this in the book, like, if this happens to you, heaven forbid, or to one of your friends, do not shower, do not brush your teeth. Avoid going to the bathroom if you can. Do not eat food. Do not change your clothes. Do not apply anything to your body because you're trying to preserve evidence. So when we got to the hospital then, I couldn't believe the amount of stuff they were collecting. So they took all the clothes that I was wearing at the time off me because there'd be like, you know, traces DNA. of him, yeah. DNA. They combed my hair. Like they got combings of my hair because there'd be DNA. They took away the pillowcases, the bed sheets. They did a full medical examination, which again, I have to say, because I like, I went into this almost blind. I know for people, you know, thinking I have to do a medical examination, how daunting that can feel. And like, what I will say is all medical examinations are done by SATU or the hospital. They are the most amazing, best trained, you know, have loads of empathy, but zero pity, which is what you need. And they were almost kind of like cracking a few jokes, not in a bad way, but just in a like, you, this, you're still alive. You're going to get through this. Yeah. And good woman for giving him a bollocking. And, you know, they they were just amazing. So, like, don't ever feel that, you know, if this happens to you, you can't do that. And you can also go the next day. But it's DNA starts disintegrating the second it's left on your body. And within 72 hours, it's gone. If that. So the quicker you get it, the better. And they, I mean, they record everything. So they got me to put on like a, a kind of hospital gown and they they do this really humane, like they check one limb at a time, even half a limb. So they were just checking for, you know, bruises, cuts, anything that could tie like the DNA to him or like injuries to what had happened. So, you know, they start with the wrist and they'll do like wrist up to the elbow and they have like a little chart of a body and they'll just record like, yeah, she has a scratch there. She has a bruise there. And then they go up your body one limb at a time. It's so gentle. It's like no pressure. I didn't feel like invaded or like awkward at any step of the way. If anything, I felt like I'm in safe hands here. They're checking my whole body. I'm going to be okay. And there was like a horrible moment for me where, you know, she was looking at like my chest and she called out like a bite mark. And I didn't remember him biting me. And I looked down and it was like the angriest, like purple, like full set of teeth bite mark, like on my collarbone. And I was like, I started panicking because I was like, if I don't remember that, what else do I not remember? Like, mm. you know, what if I'm pregnant? Like you start panicking and they're so trained and they're like, listen, you're, they explain it to you. Like they don't talk to you like you're an idiot. They're like, look, your body, when you're in adrenaline mode, the pain threshold goes so you would not have registered pain, but you registered him on top of you. You felt the licking. So like, you know what happened. We're going to do everything. We're going to give you the pregnancy test. We're going to give you the like anti-HIV medication. We're going to give you the hep B shot, everything to make sure you're okay, even if you don't need it. Yeah. And also you can say no if you're like definite, like I don't need the morning after or yeah. whatever, you know, fine. But they're like, we will cover everything. So you just, it's like, a stress taken away from you. And you're like, somebody's helping me. This is normal. They're not being awkward. They're not weird about this, you know? And then they'd kind of talk me through it. So they finish obviously with the internal examination. And again, they called out like the length of the cut and I nearly fainted. Um, 
But again, she like one of the nurses like was just this like, you know, your Irish mommy so jovial. And she was like, don't you worry, honey, like the blood flow down there, that'll heal in a day. The body's amazing. And she just like made me feel so much better. And then I was in like, as I said, complete shock. And I did this Irish like coping self-defense mechanism of just cracking jokes because that's all I could do. And they were kind of just going with it, like letting me do it and not making me feel weird about it. And they were like, good for you. You know, so I couldn't recommend like the the Satu examination yeah. more. Like you're in the safest pair of hands there. Yeah. Um, and so, sorry, then we went back to the police, gave all our witness statements. And again, like that is a long process because apparently there's only two police stations, I think, in the country fitted with laptops as far as I can tell. So they handwrite your statement. Yeah. Handwrite. Yeah. So you're like, oh, that was a long story I just told you guys there. Imagine you're trying to write and all that down. Award. And I mean, and no. so, and like, that's just the story. But then, you know, I was literally stopping like anything I could remember. I was like, I think he had a tattoo shape this way. You know, he said something. I can't remember what he sounded this like, you know, going through everything he stole. I was like anything to catch this guy. Um, and they were like, it took hours and hours to get done. Um which was long, it was grueling, but the idea of having waited and waking up the next morning and like doing that, I think I'd have just been like, I'm good. I like, I literally can't. Yeah. So, you know, you do it when it's fresh and then like they give you a copy of your statement much later on, closer to the trial. And I was reading stuff and like, I didn't remember. Saying all yeah, because yeah. then I went to sleep and my sleep screwed it up. So even when I was writing the book, and see the way I forgot there, the like the biting of the hand, the sequence in my head is still very strange. And apparently that's really common with PTSD. So the basically, if you have like a really traumatic memory, it's too much for the brain to compute. Yeah. So it fractures it. And, and like fra- represses it kind of. It can repress, but it'll basically like fragment it. So you know when you're trying to like download a massive file and it just will not download. So you have to download them as like little zip files. That's what the brain does. But then the zip files get all mixed up and you're like, yeah. when was this? When was that? So I, when I remember it, it's like flashes and I like I have the flash of the bed and a flash of the like strangling. And then I put them together and I'm like, well, obviously the bed had to be the first one. Yeah, yeah, and then obviously, and, and then, you know, yeah. when I opened the door, that had to be the end. And you just try to piece it yeah. all together. Yeah. Um, so again, like another really important thing for like, you know, people listening and heaven forbid, if you are ever in a situation like that is your statement will be your primary evidence used in trial. So you have got to make sure you tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. If you're not sure about something, say it. It's yeah. completely fine to say, I, th- so for example, in my case, I was like, you know, I think he was Irish, but I may have been wrong. Yeah. This is why I think, because I think I heard him talk, but I may be wrong. However, I bit his hand, that I am certain. Yeah. And so it means when, because I mean, the cross-examination, like we'll get to the trial, but when they cross-examine you, they will tear your witness statement to shreds. And like mine was ironclad. Because one, it was such a clear cut case, you know, it wasn't a date, like I didn't bring anybody home. It's a pretty extreme case. Like there was yeah. no question of consent. Like I was home asleep. <laughs> um, there's no sign like come in. Um, and also the fact that the three of us were lawyers, we were so careful. We knew exactly what to say. And so like that's what fuels me to like, you know, go public about it and write the book. It's like I was in such a privileged position and I was torn to shreds. 
and the idea that somebody who doesn't have, you know, that position yeah. has to go through that made me so angry. Um, so in terms of the witness statement, take your time, you know, you pause as much as you need to. If you remember something or because they're all handwriting it or, you know, you're like, actually, sorry, there was another thing in between. You tell them and, you know, they'll do a little asterisk, but like, do not be afraid to tell them, no, actually, that was wrong. Go back. Let's start again. Like, I know it's tiring, but the more information you can give, the better almost. And then how do I say like, it makes you very credible at the trial because you're like, she never guessed anything. Yeah. She was super clear. Like, I had no idea what time it was. Must have been after midnight because that's about when I went to sleep. Must have been the night because it was, you know, night outside. Couldn't tell you the time exactly. So then come the like trial, they can't be like, ah, well, you said it was 3 a.m., but it was 4, so you're lying. So, you know, where were you at 3 a.m.? Like, what were you doing? Maybe you're on a date with this guy. They couldn't do any of that. But a lot of people, you know, it's really obviously, it's really, I'm not saying like, you know, I'm, I have three years of hindsight with this now. Like, I know how hard it is. And like, every word you speak, you feel the weight. And you, you know, when you almost want to stop talking mid-sentence, you're like, I just can't, I, can't, I literally can't be yeah. bothered. You feel that, but you kind of have to do it for yourself. And also to make sure this guy's apprehended and, you know, that the, like, there's a record of, you know, if it's your partner or something, there has to be like a record of this <clears throat> happening. But um, yeah, so that's kind of like the, end of the trigger warning um that's that's a lot Sarah I know it's heavy Uh, and I know it can't be easy for you so like it's it's very courageous and admirable actually recounting that especially in such detail as well like um I know they say time is a great healer but there's no way that can you can put a time frame on how easy that story can get to tell you know no do you know what's weird is like when I tell the story so the first thing I do, which you can probably hear is like my mouth goes dry and I get very breathless. Have you got water there? I do have water, you're very good. But like I do, I feel mentally fine talking about it. It's almost like I'm telling you guys about a a movie I saw. Mm. And then when I'm telling the story and I always have this of like, you know, you see people's eyes go huge and you're like, yeah, why I should be getting that reaction. Like, why why am I not? Um, (coughs) Sorry. Um, Yeah. You've obviously done a lot of self-work on a lot. Since then. A lot of self-work. And so, like, as I mentioned, or I can't remember if I've mentioned, like, I was, again, very lucky because I I had trained as a yoga teacher. So I was able to tap into a lot of, like, you know, mindfulness meditation, active yeah. meditation. That was, like, you know, scratching at the surface. But every little bit helps. Mm. Um, and it's just, like, a, yeah, a huge amount of work. And, you know, whatever works for you. So I always say... And like everybody should know this, no two victims are the same. No. You know, no two sur- I should say survivors. Um, some people, you know, like I used to hate the word victim. Now I don't care. Like I've done my work and whatever. I used to hate the word sexual assault because, you know, what happened to me is sexual assault. In France, it's rape. But in Ireland, we have some stupid rule that it has to be either. I'm going to be adult about this. Like it's either penetration by like the penis or by a handheld object. Finger doesn't count. So if he had used that's, the Q-tip, that's the that's the legal the black definition. And white that's the black definition. and white. If you open the the textbook, that's the black and white definition. So if he'd used a Q-tip, that would be rape, and I would have been spared the cut, the five months that followed where I had to do anti-HIV treatment, which was horrific. Um, you know the like trauma of skin on skin, all of that. It just it's a law that to me makes no sense. 
that was, you know, written by people even 50 years ago, it still makes no sense. Like, you know, like, yeah. I, it yeah. makes no sense like, to me. Yeah, what, what, like, what are you achieving by, like, exactly? Like, why that? do you need to? It's like penetration is penetration, end of yeah. story. Like, that's a violation in itself. And yeah. so, you know, and it's like, I find it much easier to talk about now, but for a lot of people, even just saying that word, it's really jarring. Yeah. Like, I still find that word, like, it's not a nice word. Mm. Um, but you just have to be, like, adult about, like, this is, you know, the legal definition. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, like, it, it's hard to even, like, where do we go from here? Um, it's a lot of, like, coming at you, you know, yeah. in, like, one sitting. And I'm very aware of that. And I'm always, like, particularly men, I'm always so grateful that you can, like, sit through and listen to this because it's important and I think in a way, in a way, you're in like a very good position because, you know, before this happened to me, I always had the fear that this would happen to me. Mm. And then it did. But, you know, if someone would talk about it, I, I would almost shut down because I was like, it was that fear in me that I didn't want to talk about it. And I noticed like in the months that followed, I didn't tell the whole story. I gave like the vanilla version of, you know, man broke into my bedroom, you know, bad fight and just did not even mention the sexual assault bit. But people kind of put two and two together. And I always found, like, when the subject came up, women really struggled to meet my gaze. Like, and that was, you know, I completely understand it. I probably did the same before this happened to me, yeah. but it was so isolating. Like, you just already feel ashamed by what's happened to you, right? And, like, all of the cliches, like, I felt dirty, I felt really ashamed like my family arrived the next day and I just couldn't bear the thought of them seeing me like that like somehow I'd lost my worth or something and obviously like worked through that but I think that's where you know you feel like an untouchable so when someone can't even sit in your presence and look you in the eye and listen to you that is the most isolating thing in the world so thank you for like sitting through it and listening because I know it's uncomfortable like mm -hmm. I get it you know and it's it's probably a very new topic for you guys in a way. And it's for a lot of people, like it's a new topic. Well, it's a new-ish topic for me. But it's, you know, we're, as long as we're talking about it openly, there is no wrong thing you can say. And yeah. if your heart is in the right place and you're just trying to educate yourself, there's literally nothing you can say that's wrong. And you can just, you know, my biggest advice probably for men would be, you know, try to inform yourselves and, you know, you can say things like, listen, I'm not sure if this is the right thing to say or, um, you know, do you mind me asking a question? Like, I want to make sure you're comfortable. Immediately, that person, you know, I was going to say she, that person knows that you're thinking about them. Yeah. And then if they feel awkward or whatever, fine, because you're trying to make them comfortable. And you're like, I don't feel awkward. I don't, I'm not ashamed of you. Like, yeah. you, this is a safe space. We can talk about this or not, whatever you need. But I'm not going to, you know, what happens with PTSD is one symptom. Obviously, it's different for every person. But for me, I started withdrawing a lot from people because yeah. I couldn't bear that like treatment. And, you know, like lit people would like walk down the corridor, see me on the other side of the corridor, freeze, panic, and then turn on their heel and run away. Mm. Like it was just that was almost more heartbreaking, like everything that followed and like the trial, obviously. But so I'm always, particularly men, I'm always fascinated to one, get your perspective. And, you know, I have a lot of really close guy friends who are like, 
I'm almost uncomfortable talking about it because I'm afraid I'm going to say something wrong. And like, we need to stop that culture of like bashing people if they're coming yeah. from the right place. Literally, yeah, okay, if you like say something wrong, if you say the wrong word, you know, you can just correct yourself. Like we're all here to learn. And like, yeah. you know, I use terms that other survivors hate and vice versa. Like it's just part of yeah. being like yeah. I don't think, think that we should apologize though because we are a little bit nervous. And, yeah. But there's like, nothing to apologize for. Yeah, I just, yeah, I don't know. I just want you all comfortable. We're happy, you know, and yeah. I just feel like we're a little bit tiptoeing and hesitant because but, there is a tough... Yeah, know, but just the fact that you can acknowledge that, mm. like mm. that's part of the process, you know, like there's nothing to apologize about. You're just here to like figure things out. Like it took yeah. me ages to figure things out. And even when I meet a new survivor, I'm like, how is this person going to handle? You know, I can be quite bubbly and like I've really come back to myself, which I'm delighted at. Some people don't like that. So it's yeah. a case by case basis, but there's nothing to apologize for. And I think that's where, you know, there's a lot of progress happening on women's rights, which is amazing. And I'm here for it. But like men would be such a powerful ally Definitely. and they need to be, they need yeah. to be active allies. Like some of my best guy mates are like, your book was amazing. I felt awkward reading it on the bus. I felt like somebody was come up to me and say something, you know, or I was going to offend someone. Yeah. And I'm like, to be honest, if you're offending people, you know, like I used to get offended because my dad would call it sexual assault and I'd be like, that fucking sexual assault. Like I'd lose my shit, but that was my dad, you know. Yeah. Um, you can't, it's like with everything, like you, you, you know, have to take it on yourself a little bit as well of like, let's meet halfway or, you know, say you use a, a word that I really don't like. And I'm like, listen, by the way, Calvin, like, you know, yeah, I don't I'm love that. Or, would yeah. you mind if we do this or whatever? Like, we have to meet halfway. If yeah. we're, like, you guys are half of the population, and you know, that's exactly you what I was were talking say. a few half episodes of ago of like, you know, not all men, but all men, you know, mm. have that accountability. Like, I think you can push that even further. Like, yes, all men need to be active allies. Of course, not all men rape women. Of course not. Yeah, and I think like there's this miscommunication between men and women sometimes because. Women are angry, rightly so. I'm still angry. I've, you know, worked through my anger and I'm in a healthy place with it now. But like we have every right to be angry and, you know, yeah. like what happened to like, so like I get angry just talking about it. But when you guys come to the table and just want to help, that gives me hope and just want to learn and are just meeting me fully open. And you're like, actually, do you know what? I do feel a bit uncomfortable. I'm not sure. Well, do you know what? Maybe you'll have two or three of these chats. And then one day you'll be the guy talking to someone being like, I've got this. I'm so comfortable. We're, well, you, you'll never be super comfortable. Like it's always a bit, it's not no. an easy topic, mm -hmm. but it'll just become more normalized, less stigma. Yeah. And that's it. That's like literally what we're trying to do. Yeah. yeah like it will always be a tough conversation, of but course. at least you're having the conversation. Whereas before, you'd be like, "Oh, you know, brush like, it under the carpet." This, this definitely is awkward, a hundred percent. Like, yeah. let's not be around the bush. We're not trying to sugarcoat yeah. it. It is, but now we're here for it. And I know we talked outside before, and uh, that we had a message about a year ago, and I won't yeah. say who it was from or whatever. But a person messaged to have this conversation and back then I mean I absolutely was terrified like yeah. I, we weren't prepared at all. I put the phone down and I was like I can't even look at that message but then I was like do you know what that person was brave enough yeah. to reach out they did definitely deserve a response yeah. and of I said course, it to them I was yeah. like look we can't relate to what you're saying so I don't understand how we can help you but yeah. I don't know whether it's maturity or wherever yeah. we're just used to doing the podcast now but you need to 
start having conversations yeah. about like we talk about a lot of stuff to be progressive and if we we can't say oh yeah we're progressive and understanding and we want to change society if we're yeah. overlooking a big part of this yeah and I think uh, like, but you want to do it right which is like to your credit you know and you've created the space now that's very safe so like when I like you know Owen reached out and I was listening into the podcast and I was like these guys like the energy just seems good this is something I want to be a part of like this is fantastic and it is like you know like that whole idea of shooting the breeze that's where like the gold comes through because you know it's not scripted and you just talk from the heart and yeah sometimes you get it wrong I still get it wrong you know like I say stupid shit sometimes and, you know, catch myself and I'm like, oh, and that's like that. We need to remind ourselves it's OK to get it wrong Definitely, and yeah. like stop it with this beating. You know, you get it wrong. You adjust. You're like, my bad. Yeah. I don't know what's gotten to us recently with this, like, I won't apologize for this. You know, and, and you know, you see like public figures who just refuse to apologize. I'm like, but why? Like, we all make mistakes. Yeah. I'll respect you so much more if like, do you know what? That is totally on me. There's no excuse. Yeah. This is what was happening. I really am sorry about this and I will do better in the future. Yeah. yeah. That's that's it really. You know, and this it definitely will be educational because to me, I didn't even know there was a differentiation between sexual assault and rape. I just yeah. thought they were two names for the same thing. And a lot that's a comment a lot of my guy friends have. So they were like, before you, I didn't realize all these like okay, there's the legal categories, but like it's the reason the word sexual assault used to irk me is because, you know, what happened to me, which is like basically digital rape and, you know, like a very violent, also attempted murder. It's not like it happened in a nightclub in a bathroom. Yeah. It was like there was like <laughs> zero consent here. And like it was, you know, this very extremely violent um, incident. And then that's sexual assault. And then me being groped on the Lewis is sexual assault. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, so that's what would annoy me. Like now I get it. And I mean... I mean, I don't get it. It still irks me, but I'm a lot more reasonable about it. And I'm like, it's just the word we Something use. Something needs to change. Sarah. Something needs to change. And we, th- I think that's also why, you know, sometimes, I don't know about you guys, if I'm talking about a topic I don't know, I'll be afraid to ask questions because I don't want to put my foot in it. But the yeah. best thing you can do is say, listen, I know nothing. I want to learn. Yeah. So if you don't mind, can I ask this? Like, is this okay? Yeah. And like that all ties into consent as well. Like, you know, you're leading by example then of consent isn't just in bed or mm. wherever. Um, it's, you know, like conversations and like boundaries and, you know, does this work for you? Is this awkward? Are you getting, you know, yeah. do you want to take a breather? Things like that, yeah. yeah. Just something you said there about the sexual assault and how it's categorized. Do you think there should be like a level thing? You know, way in America you have like more than the fourth degree. Yeah, yeah, degree. yeah. Do you think that should be a thing with sexual assault? Or um, what way do we go about that? Because as you said, it could be triggered by like, well, what happened to me wasn't the same as somebody who like, yeah, was getting groped. That's not the same. Yeah. I th- like, that's such an interesting question. It's And I feel like I'm going to get under fire now of speaking as the lawyer, but every, like what I've learned, particularly since, you know, co- going public and people coming to me, like every single sexual assault and rape case is so unique. Mm. And like, it's an impossible task to categorize. Yeah. What I would say, like, from my perspective, and, like, I may regret these words because somebody may point out some flaw, but when there's, like, penetration involved, it is, like, the ultimate violation. So, to me, that... And I think in the UK, they have, like, penetrative sexual assault or something like that. They do make the distinction. And to me, like, that is a million times worse, like, 
then like you can grope somebody fully clothed. You can't really do that, you know, like penetrate somebody fully clothed. So to me, the like circumstances around it would also, it would make sense to have that categorization. Yeah. I know where you're coming from. Um, and there is like, again, it could be just a legal kind of thing of like, where do we draw the line and what differentiates and maybe it does go by a case by case basis maybe like somebody <coughs> is up on sexual assault charge like you could have five fellas up on a sexual assault charge or whatever and then we just go case by case yeah, yeah. by how we break it down and we go into the details of like well this is what person one done this is what person yeah. two done they get this they get that and we go from there that's how it um, should be so sir just to go back to that night in question you give your statement to the police you go to the hospital, you go home, you go to sleep. What is day one like? So you wake up the next day, your family come. Yeah, so... The fella still hasn't been caught. Yeah, God, they took five days or three days or something to catch him. Um, so we so we all went back to the flat to like pack a bag. Um, there was no way I think any of us were staying in that flat that night. Like I was like, I would literally rather chew broken glass. Um, so... My flatmates went home. I went to another friend's. And I kind of, you just, you know, we're just keeping going, like trying to get some sugar into you for like the shock. Really important, eat sugar after the examination because it helps with the shock. Um, But so, yeah, like day one, I guess. So <clears throat> woke up, couldn't, like couldn't believe it. I was like, this can't have happened. This cannot have happened. Like this doesn't happen. This doesn't happen to people. And, you know, it started to dawn on me like I'm a sexual assault survivor or a victim is the word I was using at the time. And like it was like the shame started trickling in and like the feeling dirty and like all of those like feelings. Um, and so I had rang my parents, but I hadn't told them what had happened. I waited till it was like nine or ten and I was like, listen, just FYI, like I tried to like keep it so PG and I was like, you know, yoga teacher voice, uh, lost my phone, um, burglar broke in, I'm absolutely fine, don't worry, because, you know, they were in Galway, I didn't want them to pile into a car and, like, crash on the motorway on the way to Dublin. So I hadn't told them what had happened. I think they put two and two together pretty fast when they saw me, but I was trying to act like it was fine. And so that, so first day had to go <clears throat> to the hospital to get the anti-HIV treatment, which is minging um it it's just a very heavy treatment and then what happened was because I bit his hand he had an open wound that's the hand he used for to inflict the cut so it was like wound on wound so the chances of getting HIV were like not not high but definitely not small like yeah <laughs> yeah like uncomfortable yeah so like you don't joke around with that the hospital I went to um which is the hospital I think that like manages most of these, like the experience was not good. So I would say bring someone with you who's ready to like have a fight with receptionists and like, you know, have your back in the waiting room because it's crowded. The last thing you want is to be like, like I remember waiting in the waiting room and like I talk about this in the book, they brought in a convict, fully chained hands and feet with four guards escorting him. And I just remember seeing him and I had a full panic attack like had to run out of the the waiting room. And I was like, how can you do this to survivors? Like, this is absolutely outrageous. So had to go in for those like blood tests. Mm. 
you have to keep going for five months, which is the time it takes for the virus to like show up How in your blood. How often in the five months? So every few weeks at the beginning, it was like every maybe two, three weeks, and then they spread it out. So maybe in total five times, four or five times. Long, long. Um, and then I started realizing, like I was in complete denial that I had PTSD, but I started realizing I did because I couldn't bear people to touch me. Mm. And so... And I hadn't thought that would be an issue, but there were two things I was doing. Number one is every man I passed, I was like scanning their hand to be like, is that him? Because I couldn't remember like what he looked like. But weirdly enough, like I was extremely nervous around like the very tall kind of gangly skinny guys. And then, you know, kind of normal looking blokes or, you know, big rugby lads. I was completely fine around, as in I didn't want them too close, but I, I wasn't getting like nervous. So you knew kind of, I knew his build. Isn't yeah. and so like my him, body yeah. registered yeah. somewhere. And sure enough, that was his build um, when we when we went to trial. Um, but yeah, so my parents came over and like, I didn't tell them for a year what had happened because I just couldn't do that to them and I I wasn't ready to tell them but like was that my, a, a bit of shame like oh totally like the shame and also like the worry about them like I just felt like I don't want you know the thing is with sexual assault and rape and those things is it destroys your identity because somebody's used you as an object basically mm-hmm. and it's just you know your relationships with like I just can't describe how much I didn't feel like myself and you know you're in this PTSD kind of the shadow land like nothing matters anymore and so I was in complete denial about losing what I had with my family because we're super affectionate and like really tight and then I went from that to you know sitting at dinner and I was like building furniture forts with the chairs being like get away from me like do not come even if they'd reach for the salt I'd be like really tense um, so they definitely picked up like something was wrong, but I think they were, in, we talked about it afterwards. I think they were also in slight denial of like, it's fine. It's fine. You know, like they, they, this will go away. Just he, not even this. Like, like, I think they were just thinking, you know, she's like this because she was nearly murdered. Like yeah. Yeah. it did like the sexual thing. I think like when I told my sister, she was like, oh my God, of course. But like, it just hadn't, you know, her brain had kind of blocked that option out kind of thing. So... Yeah, like that was tough. And then I had like hand-shaped bruisings on my neck in July, August, which was fantastic. So I was wearing like, you know, the little air hostess, like little um, neckerchiefs um, to hide that. And it was, yeah, just a lot of like trying to get a handle on the story very quickly of like what gets out, what doesn't. Mm. Not wanting people to know, not wanting to be branded with that title. And, you know, thinking like, this is it, my life's over. And like I talk about that a lot in the book of, you know, like the title of the book is Ash and Salt. And so Ash is kind of explanatory. It's like you literally feel like your identity, your life, your as you knew it is reduced to ashes, your sense of safety, your relationship with friends, like your sex life, your romantic life. It's just gone. There's nothing left. And you have to kind of rebuild from that. But I was very much in that place of nothing makes sense, numb to the world, don't care. And it's kind of much later that then the anger started setting in, like the sadness, the extreme sadness, all of those kind of feelings. But they were good in a way because when they came up, that was the first sign of you're healing. You're feeling stuff again. Okay, it's shit. And like I cannot, you know, like 
overstate how shit it is, but you can get through it. Anybody can get through it. Like if I can do it, I, I'm not special. Anybody can get through this and particularly with the right people who are listening and like the right supports in place and, you know, focusing on their healing. The emotions are a good thing. Mm-hmm. So what was it like when, when he is caught? Like do the, do the guard again touch with you and say, we've caught this fella or... They do. Now they have to be really careful because he's obviously innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. And they catch him, but they don't charge him yet. They interview him for... God, they interviewed him for hours. Um, and they in, they were very good in fairness. And so my case was then handed over to like an expert team who were like specialized in like the sexual crimes. God, they were good. Like they knew what they were doing. Yeah. Um, and they handled it really well as well. So they were kind of giving me updates. And, you know, I remember I had to go back to the station. They had to take my prints to like check that, you know, like rule my prints out on the handbag and the phone to identify his prints. And I was just bombarding them with questions like, how do you know it's him? And they were like, look, we can't say much. So just read between the lines. Um, Mm. There was someone apprehended. That individual is no longer on the streets. Bear with us. But, you know, like, and I was like, how do you know it's him? Like, what are we doing? Like, what if he's still out there? What if you have the wrong guy? And he just like showed me his hand and he was like, read between the lines there. And I was like, okay, (laughs) they have the right mark. It's him. Um, so like, yeah, that was a sense of relief. Cause I, I like could not go back into that flat until like, he knew my face. He knew where I lived. You know, he knew where my bedroom was. Like there yeah. was no way I was That's going back into that flat. Like, if you're not safe in your own bed, where totally. are you? Totally. And like, you know, I, I was like, okay, it's a horrific story. Like it's a shock value story, but I was so lucky because for a lot of people, you know, it's their partner, it's a friend, it's like somebody in their lives and that person is not put into custody, they're released and you run into them, you run into their friends, you run into their parents at the shop. Like that's, I can't imagine the people who do that, like the strength they must have. Like I was sorted, once he was gone, I was like, well, nobody else, he didn't have an accomplice. As far as I know, no family here. So, you know, like that was a big, big relief for me. Um, but then it was, yeah, like what happens if he's released and all that stuff. You didn't have to face him again, did you? Like, to- so this is very interesting. And again, like I do want to get into this a little bit. So the trial again is an absolute minefield. Mm. And even as a lawyer, like we were lawyers going into this, I had done all my prep. I had like spoken to everybody under the sun to get a sense of what was happening. Nobody can give you a straight answer. There's nothing online. And so I had been assured for months and months and months like oh my god don't worry like you know sexual crimes you can um give your evidence like by video link you won't even be in the same room as him it's all very humane it's very victim friendly um it was not so it turns out like the video link is only for minors or people with a disability which they do not say to you and like stupidly i should have checked the like the rule book but you know i kind of trusted people who were saying this to me because um, this was coming from like, you know, the DPP and the guards and stuff. And then all of a sudden, like so close to the trial, it was uncomfortable. They were like, oh, yeah, God, no, you'll be in the same room. Like, I mean, you're in touching distance of each other. Like he's basically where you are, like slightly like where that table is. Like you are so close to each other. There's no barrier. There's no glass. Like he can literally get up. There's like a little ledge and he can reach over and touch you. And he's allowed to stand to like stretch and stuff while you're giving your evidence. Um, Could you not, like, go for that about not having that? 
Yeah, like you'll be on one side, so the, like a photos yeah. pointed around, and they'll be at yeah. the other photos pointed around. So room. no, the way it's set up, it's very like, you know, judge sits here, jury sits there, blah, blah. Like it's all, it's not like they can move chairs around. Like the chairs are like literally like drilled into the floor, like it's set. But so I remembered again from like my like criminal law studies. God, it must have been a nightmare for them to deal with. But anyway, um, I was like, I know you can get a screen between you and the guy. So I was like, I need that. And I was like, I am so traumatized by this. I know if I see his face, I'll remember it. It'll bring a flood of memories back. And like, I have to already convince 12 complete strangers and the judge that this happened. It's my word against his. And then he's sitting there, like literally breathing down my neck. Are you kidding me? So the screen was a huge battle to get. It got secured, like not even the day the trial started. It got secured the day before... Like, I went on the stand. Sorry, which, why? Oh, oh, um, to give him a right of fair trial because the screen makes him look guilty. And so I was like, well, surely if you make the screen, you know, just mandatory for anybody, problem solved. Yeah. Also, you should see the screen, like the way they talk about it. You're like, this is going to be like erected with some serious manpower and like they're going to bring like a crane in. It's a tiny little like, you know, like a little projector thing you had in class, like mm. a square. I kid you not that wide and like a square piece of fabric. I don't understand how that takes away his innocence. Because the jury see the screen between yes, you and him. And so it's like, oh, he's but I don't dangerous. Understand. Yeah, like if there's a screen there between you and all, like it doesn't mean that you didn't you know what I, I mean? I completely like, agree. Yeah, there's something wrong. Like when COVID was here, there's a screen there because yeah. there's an issue with mm. something. Yeah. And I made weird. the point as well because I was like, look, if I was a man and I was, you know, wrongly accused of having raped I someone, don't want to see the woman I who's accusing me. I don't want to see them. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, like you want some kind of a separation. In France and the UK, they're like on opposite sides of the room and that's Makes still sense. uncomfortable. Yeah. And like, I was like, if I see him, I will have a panic attack. So what I did in the end, <clears> and this is like a good one to just keep in your back pocket if you're ever in trial is... Every argument you use, first of all, write everything down and follow up by email because then you can back yourself and they can't be like, oh, you never, you said, never that. said this. Yeah. yeah, and that happens more often than you'd like to think. Mm. Um, but you always kind of focus on the purpose of the courts is to administer justice. In my opinion, that can be forgotten sometimes, but you kind of have to make the point like, if I do not get the screen, I am depriving the jury and the judge from good evidence and you know evidence needed to decide this case so it is in everybody's interest for that screen to go up apparently there's two screens in the whole country and i was like i will donate <laughs> happily 200 screens like we could use that yeah like, yeah we'll bring that, that sorry that is much bigger than what we had but like um, one fella can lift that yeah that's what i mean like you don't need it oh, a whole like, crew. i remember because the guards had never seen one so like the guards were there with they like you know bring me into the courtroom and stuff and we had to, I had to come in to like sit in the hot seat and like just, you know, they had to like basically measure it out because if I was like one inch further into the chair, I'd see him. So I had to like lean back in the chair, but then the mic, which you can't adjust, was forward. So you have to lean back, would kind of talk into the mic. And then they completely forgot about the COVID screen. So what happened was the screen in front of us where the judge was, there's a big plastic glass so I could see him, well, his hand through like in the reflection of the COVID screen. Like the IQ of some people, I don't know. And in fairness to them, they're not used to this. Like we had to fight for this so hard. And they just, 
like the prosecution case was just not thought through. Like we pushed so hard for this. And then at the end, you know, so I'm not allowed into the courtroom until I've given my evidence. Because again, if I go in before and hear something, I could try to corroborate my evidence. Yeah. Fine. But then they encourage you to go back in once you're done to kind of, you know, let the, because these trials last a week, two weeks, sometimes more. So the jury has to kind of remember there's a victim here. And so it's all these like psychology games. And I pointed out, because they had told me, come in tomorrow and be there. And I was like, they made this whole song and dance about him not having a fair trial. We got the screen, like by the skin of our teeth. And now if I come in tomorrow and, you know, he can see me and I can see him. First of all, I don't want that, but I'll suck it up if I have to. But like, isn't the defense going to lose their mind and jump up and down and say, oh, well, you know, she can see him. So she's, you know, deprived him of a fair trial. And the answer was, oh, uh, let me think about that. And then I got a call the next morning being like, yeah, on balance, don't come in. That's not a good idea because we will, it will, it could collapse the trial. So you have to like what's, and I, I like really hate giving this message, but for anybody going through this and their support group, like the support group is so important. You kind of have to be your own lawyer and just assume things won't get done. Cause I'd asked for this screen ages ago. And then a month before the trial, they were like, oh, we haven't even started the application for this. And there's like 50, there's like a whole application for it. So you have to do a vulnerability assessment with the guards and you have to like, do basically an interview and give them all the reasons why you need the screen. And I mean, by the end of it, I was like a shaky mess. Like I was crying and I was like, please also record my state because I'm, you know, like this is all part of the evidence. And then the judge has to decide on balance whether a little piece of fabric will, you know, hinder this guy's right to a fair trial. Um, so you have to be your own lawyer constantly and just watch out for that yeah. kind of stuff. Like, it's madness because, like, obviously you've gone through so much, and even being able to tell your story to somebody at the at that time to like go ahead with it, and then you have to jump through hoops yeah. to try and get that heard in a courtroom. Mm. The amount of like, I mean, we're scratching. Like, I could talk about this for six hours, easy. Like, I wrote a book about it literally. Yeah. Um, and I mean, even the book, there's stuff you know, like we scratched the surface. We had to pick our our battles, but like the other one that really shocked people, and this was the thing people latched on, rightly so, when the article first broke and I kind of waved my anonymity was um, in any sexual assault, rape, etc. case, the defense team are allowed to use your notes that were taken with your therapist or psychiatrist as evidence against you in the court it will not be used to corroborate what you say. So in my case, the notes and what I said aligned perfectly. So they were just discarded. But if there was anything in there of, you know, um, I don't know, like say I started seeing a guy like a month afterwards and I say I'm traumatized. They're like, ah, but you are seeing a man so you can have sex. So you're full of shit. They can use that against you in a court of law. Or if you say, I don't know, oh, I'm having doubts. Maybe it wasn't this man. Maybe it was another guy. They can use that against you. Wait till you hear this. They seize the notes off the therapist. The whole notes, every single word that was written down, the whole defense team gets to read it. The whole prosecution team gets to read it. They then redact parts that aren't relevant to the story. So say if like 
in the notes I say like, oh, I'm adopted. That's not relevant to the case. They'll, they'll redact. And then the accused gets to read them. So this guy who I had, you know, I went to counseling a lot, like it was critical to my mm -hmm. healing. I had said in the notes, like, I hope he never finds <clears throat> out the impact he's had on my life because I feel like he'd like, you know, in some, some perverted way, exactly, yeah. like get some gratification. He got to read that. So I'm absolutely yeah. baffled here. Yep. You go to counseling with the confidence that everything you say is going to be confidential yep. and you can open up and... And dig into the deepest, darkest parts like, of you. you can console yourself in someone else and that's the yeah. whole point in counselling and the benefit of counselling. Exactly. Oh, that is going to be used against you. Against you. Who the fuck decides what's redacted? Like who the fuck says so that's not relevant and that is relevant? It goes to prosecution first who are on your side and they redact what's not relevant. But to be honest with you, like the quality of some of the stuff I saw you'd wonder, would they redact everything and they might just leave something in because they're like, oh, well, it doesn't really matter. Well, yeah, is that not subjective? What, what's relevant and subjective. what isn't? It completely is subjective. So then they redact, prosecution sees it, prosecution can question, why was this redacted? I need to know what this says. So then it goes to the judge who also reads all your notes and makes the call. And like this was not disclosed to me when I started going to counselling. So the guards give you a list of like, you know, the organizations you guys mentioned, I went to the Dublin Rape Crisis Center. I thought they were phenomenal. I really opened up for four to six months, weekly meetings. My therapist had taken, God love her, like four pages of notes at each session and gone into so much detail. And I didn't really, because she'd write them afterwards. So she wasn't taking notes when I was talking to her. And so when I got the heads up, like, look, they're going to take the notes off you. First of all, complete disbelief, shock, anger, panic and then I was like no it's fine she hasn't taken notes we're okay and they're like you're allowed to go see them before they're taken so I rang her and I was like did you take notes and she was like yeah and then I went home for a while to France and then I was seeing like a psychologist in France just for like another reason like a therapist I just it was easier for me to see somebody face to face no link to the attack whatsoever like I just brought it up at the beginning as like a I'm just disclosing this but there's other stuff I want to focus on yeah. um and like there was a question over like initially they said, yep, we'll have to get those seats to so get like a jurisdictional, you know, like grant to go to France okay. and take yeah. those, get them translated. So like a translator seeing them and then use them against you. And so in the end, I was like, you know, you have to sign a declaration like on your honor. There's nothing in those like it's related to a completely different matter, which it was. But like. And in what cases are you allowed Go and do that and take Every them. single case. Any case. Every single case. And so what happens is normally the defense asks for them. But prosecution now are so used to the defense asking for them that they will automatically ask for them like almost as, as well. a procedural yeah. thing. What happens is, and this has been talked about a lot, not just by myself, a lot of people. And, you know, if you Google like the DRCC, the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre, they talk a lot about this defense use this as a tactic to dissuade you from yeah. going to court because they know if I tell you, yeah, of course we can go to court, but let's, you know, let's all have a good laugh. Let's now hang over. out the yeah. washing hair in front of everybody. Yeah. yeah. And use those, you know, that, and I mean, I know so many survivors that have not gone to court or have waited for years to get a trial and not gotten therapy because they were waiting until the trial was over. By that time, the damage is so done. Mm. Like uh, now nothing's, you know, like irreparable, 
But like putting yourself through that after the trauma you've been through, you need the support. Now, maybe therapy is not for you. You need some kind of a support group. I would highly recommend therapy, but, you know, to each their own. But a lot of people, you need to do, and particularly with like people who are professionals, like know what they're doing. Like the Rape Crisis Center are so well versed in this. They're like, yep, no problem. This is so normal. You know, I take you as you are. Let's talk through it, blah, blah. Well, in your case, was it not fairly open and shut? Like, you know what I mean? There's surely enough evidence there to to, to point him guilty. Like, what what are they trying to defend? Like, what are they using your notes to downplay here? Yeah. Like, so there's the no notes, way what you have said in therapy yeah. dismisses the fact he broke into your house and then sexually No, exactly. It. So, like, the notes weren't used in the end, but they still all got to read it. So, like, damage done, um, which, like, like, a violation after being violated, like, I just do not understand that rule. They're starting to bring a similar rule into the UK, which is just, Ridiculous. like, we're going in completely the wrong direction here. Um, but in my case, like, so when I was cross-examined, like, some of the arguments used were just laughable. So like one example, and I mean, they were clutching at straws. I completely, you know, I work in law. I completely understand. Yes, defend your client by all means. Give them a right to a fair trial. Make sure all the evidence has been properly, you know, obtained, um, that they have the right to cross-examine, blah, blah. This was so open and shut. He admitted to breaking in. He admitted to like breaking into the apartment, but then he just kept saying not guilty to like the actual charge. So we still had to go through with the whole rigmarole, which was, again, very, very unusual. But it kind of pointed, like pinpointed, you know, the barrister representing him to me should have just like stuck to the facts and been like, let's be as procedural as possible. Spare this poor girl any unnecessary, like, of course, the necessary questions ask away. Make sure, you know, I, you know, let's establish the case here. It's my word against his. So, you know, we've got to get it done. There was stuff around... So when I talked about like, like the sexual assault, like the penetration, I used in my statement the words like it had the force of a punch because that literally was like it was such a blow. And they like the police had asked me, explain why, like we need to, we need as much detail in the witness statement. So I was like, well, it hurt like hell for one. Like it was a very, very violent, like, you know, blow. And then, you know, the cut he inflicted, like I was bleeding for a good two days straight after that. Um... The barrister thought it was a great idea to latch on to the word punch. And he was like, but you said he punched you. A punch isn't sexual. Like you guys were having a fight. And he just, the punch landed in the wrong place, basically. And I was like, are you kidding? And now what was very satisfying was I could see the jury out of the corner of my eye. 11 men, one guy, and they literally all crossed their arms. (laughs) So like they were having none of it. They were just fuming, which was very comforting of like, I'm not going crazy. Because they make you feel like you are crazy. Mm. Like you need to remember that in trial. Like keep your calm. Again, stick to the facts. If you don't know, say you don't know. Be credible. Mm. And you can take your time. And like there was another thing he did where I had to put him back in his box a little bit. Um, He asked me, so he was trying to basically imply, and this is before I knew um, that he had like stolen everything, gone off to stash it and come back. So complete premeditation, like there's, it's caught on CCTV, like there's no more proof that you need. Um, But he had said to me, oh, when he broke into your bedroom window, he couldn't have possibly known it was a bedroom. So, you know, kind of almost implying this whole thing just happened, like he became overcome by lust or something and just like, you know, fell fingers first into her. But like, I didn't know that other side of the story. 
And so, but I knew like from the kind of, you know, criminal law studies that you can only speak to what you know. So I can't be like, oh, you know, we were at a party and like Terence was really mad or like Calvin. I can't make assumptions because I don't know. You can only speak to what you know. And so this clicked and I was like, well, I'm sorry, the first time I made a mistake, so the first time I was like, um, yeah, like, I guess you couldn't know from the outside. I should never have said that. I should have said, actually, you and I both will know that I can't possibly speculate as to what was going on in this man's brain. Mm, I don't, yeah. Maybe he was drunk. I don't know. Um, you know, maybe he'd been in the building before. Like, I cannot speculate as to that and like put him back in his box. So the second time, I'm trying to remember what he was trying to say, like, um, oh, yeah, he was like, so, you know, when you guys were having the fight on the floor and you were screaming and he was trying to like strangle you and block your breathing, do you not think he was just trying to like shut you up and he was trying to escape and thought maybe there's men in the house that are going to come and you know he was just trying to like make good his escape and so that's where I was like hang on a minute and so you know you have to still be quite respectful because I just wanted to be like listen here you little shit yeah. <laughs> but I have you know you have to be a bit more respectful and you're like well like as you know I can only speak to my own state of mind I can't possibly speculate as to why he was doing the things he would he was doing but I will point out I had tried to escape twice at this stage. I was just trying to get out. And, you know, his access to his escape, the window, was yeah. fully clear. So he asked that same question three times. And every time I had to give him the answer. And then at the last, like the third question, the judge had to slap him down. But I was like, why didn't you intervene before? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? And like, they have training to intervene and they do in fairness to them. Like the judge in my case was very good. Yeah. But they have to be seen to be balanced. And in my opinion they take that too far and they entertain stuff that they should absolutely not entertain. The other thing that the biggest other thing they did was for aggravated sexual assault to happen, there's like a few like different factors that need to happen. So like the sexual assault, the intention of the sexual assault and the threat of serious violence or actual serious violence. That they need like to be combined. Boxes. Yeah, you would think. So what they did was they were like, no, no, no. There were actually three crimes that happened. There was a sexual assault without violence on the bed. Then the fight on the floor was just a fight, so just an assault. And then when she tried to run away, that was just a normal sexual assault. So, and like normal sexual assault carries a, a penalty of, um, I think it's five years or something, whereas aggravated is 10. What was he charged with? Aggravated sexual assault and aggravated burglary. So he had 10 years for the sexual assault, seven for the burglary, but they were combined. Because in Ireland, criminal sentences run concurrently, meaning you'll only serve the longest sentence. Some exceptions, but generally that's the rule. Now, like, you know, in the US, they're like 800 years, yeah. of like, which is ridiculous, but there has to be some in between. Like, you know, this man broke into a home and strangled a woman asleep and then chased her twice. The next day or the day after, and I think this is how they caught him, he broke into another And you said he'd home. already broke into house Oh, so he'd broken into two other houses, stole their belongings. There was no assault. So he was on the rampage. And then a few, or was it the next day or I can't remember the dates, but like not long after mine, he broke into this other family home. And like my understanding was he broke into the ground floor and there was like a, a young girl there, a young woman studying for her leaving cert. So she'd fallen asleep on the sofa. 
saw him come in, started screaming and he ran away. She was obviously traumatized by that. And like, if she hadn't screamed, you know, like if she was like me and hadn't woken up, God knows what he would have done. And you're like, mm-hmm. sorry, like you're a barrister. I get it. Like I get this job is tough. Like I get it. But your duty is to, you know, ensure the administration of justice. So make sure the sentence is fair. Make sure all the like procedures are observed. But like, you know, he went to stash the like loot and then came yeah, back. Like, yeah. It's pure premeditation. So like, to me, that's like almost bad faith. Yeah. Of like, yeah. do you do you have a mom? Do you have a sister, a daughter? Like anybody that you can relate to? Really? Like, it's just so, like, obviously I'm speaking in a very personal capacity and there's still a lot of like it's anger so there, logical, obviously. Though, but, like, yeah. Not just speaking from uh, an emotional thing, point of view. It's illogical yeah. for like what the system that we have yeah. in place. You know, so like, we just have a completely broken system. And to be honest, a lot of the people I encountered, some exceptions, were very lovely to deal with. Mm. But they, even they know, they're like, I know, I know it's a circus. Like one of the guards was, you know, I was in the trial and like, what the hell is going on? And he was like, I know it's a circus. And he was like, yep. You said he had a history at the very start. That's why you said he yeah. had a history. So if they were able to bring up your notes from your counsellor, why do you have to bring up his history? I love that you asked that question. No, um, because he's the one on trial. So he's innocent until proven guilty. But then, so for the victim, right, they can use, they will use your notes. You can be guaranteed of that if there's any indication that they can sometimes use um, your sexual past against you. So, you know... If you were previously sexual assaulted or something. No, if you... No, no, no. Like, if you're very active on Tinder or if you just enjoy a night out and, you know, enjoy one night stands or, you know, say I'm assaulted by, like, a boyfriend, but, you know, I've been with him for a while or was cheating with him, they can use all of those priors to like discredit you. Now for that, they need to do an application. It doesn't go through that often, but it's still a possibility. And I'm like, sorry, you raped someone. I don't care if she's like a whore. I don't care. Like you, Mm. no means no. End of story. Like we're not bringing in his priors. We're not, you know, it's like, so in Australia, I think, or New Zealand, probably both actually much more progressive. They just look at the crime. Like what happened from point A to point B, anything outside of that, I don't care. And that should be the way both people are treated. Like, yeah, it's yeah. right that they don't bring his priors yeah, in. We're up here for this event. We're not up here for what they done five years before the exactly. event. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. And they didn't bring his priors in. No. So then... They shouldn't be able to anyways, but they should... They should be able to be brought in. They should be able for him. So, so it has to be the shame if they're yeah. talking about a balanced trial and this, that and the other. No one's history yeah. comes up. Let's just... Or everyone's exactly. history. Yeah. Or everybody's exactly. history yeah, yeah. comes up and then let's get dirty. Like, but... Um, and then the other thing is, you know, like sexual assault and rape are the crimes, the definition are built around lack of consent. So if you, for whatever reason, decide I can't go through with testifying, it's too much, the trial collapses. It's not enough that they have your written yeah. statement. You need to take and the, the stand well, and yeah. be destroyed. In Like I came out of there being like, and I mean, I had it easy-ish, you know, and I was still like, I came out of there being like, first of all, I can't believe the questions that were asked. Um, but also like, you you don't feel good about yourself. Like they ask you questions like. You know, when you waive your right to remain anonymous, mm. who are you waving that from? Like anonymous Great from question. who? Great question. So basically there's a rule that the media can't go 
near your name, like any identifiable information. Now, saying that Ireland's a small country, mm. and so yeah. say you live in, you know, some little village outside of Carlo, and um, like, you know, neighbors and people have seen the police car pull up at 2 a.m., and then it comes in the news, like, you know, that date there was a rape and blah. People know. Yeah. Um, but so when you waive your anonymity, it's like from the media. So then basically anybody can talk about you. You've waived it and there's no partial waiving. So it's so important to know that and take your time with that decision mm -hmm. because once it's gone, it's gone. And like, you know, say, I don't know, like I only released half the story. People can go back on like, you know, what was said in the court, like the, you know, the reports that go yeah. into the, like, um, the papers and stuff. And they can be like, oh, well, that's clearly Sarah. It's the same date. She didn't mention this. So she didn't mention she was drunk in a club or this. And then people can start commenting like now I'm like open to, you know, it's it touch wood. It's never happened. But like, you know, people can say whatever they want about you because you've waived that right. So there's a few things to note. And again, like I do a, a kind of a whole checklist on this in one of the chapters. And like there's a whole chapter dedicated to waiving your anonymity because there's so many things to think about. Like, you know, people can Google you. They can find you on social media. They can find your family. People were sending me letters to work, um, which was lovely, but it was also like, geez, like there's, yeah, and yeah. there's no boundary, like handwritten letters and stuff. It and I'm like, trying to be nice, but it's, yeah, oh. it's like, I appreciate it, but like, yeah. you know, so what I suggest doing is like do a full scan of all your socials, shut down whatever, or not shut down, just make them private, um, brief your family before because they're going to get dragged into it. Luckily, my family was in France. So again, I kind of didn't have that. Yeah. And then the other thing that was, you know, I was very lucky is that he didn't have family or friends here. If he did, you know, they could have been out and like, you know, slagging me and being yeah. like, and she's an absolute bitch and you don't know the half of it. Blah. I didn't have all of that. So it's just things to keep in mind of because like social media is, is like a great place, but it can be very, very oh, toxic as well. Yeah, definitely. And you just need to like protect yourself. And so, yeah, like take your time with that decision and you know be very comfortable with the story that you're giving like I highly recommend it's the full truth but you know like I use the word survivor instead of victim for example like that's just part of my story now I sometimes revert to victim but you know there's I, and I focus on my stories about like the healing the coming through it the like what I've learned and I actually it's a weird thing to say but like I've done so much work on it at this stage in a way, like, I'm almost grateful it happened because my life now is so much better for it. Now there was, like, three years of, like, an absolute shit show. But I know now my life is precious. Like, I know not to, you know, keep toxic people in my life. I know not to keep my mm. toxic job. I've changed all of that. So everything that's in my life now is there by my choice. Yeah. Like, I just, like, trimmed the fat. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I just want, like just I just want nice things now like I want nice friends you know I want to be happy in my job I want to feel supported I want to you know do the things that I actually want to do I don't want to work till midnight every night and not have a life I want to do I want to teach yoga I want to do all these things so in a weird way like you know there were toxic things in my life before that I was like grand you know I can just deal with that and now I'm like no absolutely not I'm not putting up with this shit because I could have died that night mm. and I think about that a lot so I'm like you know, when I'm thinking about doing something that scares me, I'm like, well, look, you're, you know, you might as well be dead now. So like, why not, <laughs> you know, like make the most of, of it. And 
You've so mad that you have it, don't you? Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's not something I say. I say it to my mom sometimes and she's like, stop it, how dare you? <laughs> 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 um, but uh, no, like, and I, I, they've been through the ringer as well. But, you know, we've come through it tighter than ever, which I didn't think was possible. So, mm. yeah. And uh, like most of all, like, you know, I'm talking about me, 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 but like, I feel like I'm helping people. I think, yeah. Are. Which, yeah. No you know, much. there's so many like survivors getting in touch and like, the rave crisis center we're saying now every time someone's going to trial they're like read this book and you don't even have to read the story there's a checklist at the end so it can just be like a you know very clinical like do this don't do this do this don't do this and knowing that like my story didn't happen for nothing like there's some good coming out of it that's giving me so much healing mm -hmm. and like it's it's giving this like life i have purpose now yeah so like yeah you're 100 percent helping a lot of people Hopefully. There's no question yeah. about it. Like, mm. you're a brave soul. Your attitude is unbelievable. Like, even when you come in, like, you'd never think that you had this event happen. Yeah. Like, you were outside with us and you were cracking one-liners and I was like, this is Yeah, I, was, I could see your eyes go wide. Like, what is this? What is happening? Yeah. <laughs> but one thing that is, like, really, really, that took us back was when Owen obviously said, like, oh, Sarah, is it great to do it? And she wants to do singers. I was like, Oh, this is this is deadly. Obviously, that's the only reason I came down to it. <laughs> but like, you know, for us, when we know we're gonna have a hard yeah. conversation, we're like, right, do Sometimes we do singers? We don't deal with the start bit. We sure. prefer to go straight into sure. it. Yeah. And that's like, what's great about you guys is like you're so adaptable. But I think you know you've had me on. Like I'm very happy go lucky because I am. Like I can't stress this enough. I was so lucky in so many ways. But you know, maybe you will have that girl on now, and maybe you feel a bit more prepared to have like another chat with someone yeah. else who's a very different story. And has things to say. But I feel like people who will listen to this will be prepared to have a, their own conversations. I you know? hope and so. And I feel like we are kind of, I know like the law is very political and yeah. how the court case are handled is, there is like grey areas there that we need to change. But yeah. I seen something yesterday that um, there was a man up on a rape charge and seven people tried to uh, give character references and the judge said, unless them seven people are prepared to take the stand and defend this man, yeah. I'm disregarding those character references. Mm. And I was like, that's, Damn straight. that's a big uh, reason to set there. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? You're really like, no, I think this is the line now. I think a shift is starting to happen. And I mean, you know, the shift is happening because people like you and me are willing to have these conversations. And like, you're very special. Like, But everybody's special. Like, everybody has mm. a, a role to play. And like, yeah. that's why, you know, you hear like, not all men. And you're like, but actually, no, all men should be having this conversation full stop. Because even if it just impacts your smaller group, you're getting it out there. And then and you are like, you know, the Midlands direction. rape trial, like mm -hmm. that horrific case. Even the judge there is starting to like come down hard on some things that previously would have been accepted. There is starting to be a shift, but like we need to keep lighting the fire under their asses. Yeah. And like we do that by ourselves being able to talk about it. Like that's the only thing they hold over us is you know, we're the experts, you know nothing. And you're like, well, actually, like, this is just part of being human. And like, this yeah. happens to a lot of people. Yeah. And trauma is trauma, by the way. Like, you know, you don't have to be a rape victim to like experience trauma. You yeah. can experience it loads of different ways. So like, we all have our stories. And it's about like, just, you know, finding middle grounds all the time. Definitely. And do you think it is the the obstacles and the hoops you have to jump through? that does prevent people from coming forward because they know... Oh, like, 100%. I've it, like 14% of uh, sexual assault cases brought to the guard end up in a courtroom. Yeah. Like 14%. Yeah. 14%. 14, 14, yeah. Yeah, one four, and yeah. that's those that are brought to the guard. And I can't remember, oh, the statistics horrible um, of people who actually report what's happened to them. 
and it's like well below 50%. I can't remember how much it is. So like of, you know, take like the courage it takes and the strength it takes and, you know, the support network it takes to go to the guards and go through this rigmarole and this bureaucracy and like the ones I dealt with were great, but I know so many stories where it just went horrifically wrong. And, you know, again, like, I'm very conscious that like, you know, I'm a lawyer, like, you know, I can talk to them a certain way. So like, they will listen. There's some people they won't listen to and it's complete bullshit and classism, but they won't. Or, you know, somebody's like a foreigner and they're like, oh yeah, well, you know, they just don't get the culture. And so they don't progress it. And it's, it's just heartbreaking. So I think the more we normalize having these yeah. chats, the more people are going to talk They'll about it, the more exactly and yeah. just like make them catch up with us, not the other way around. Definitely. Yeah. yeah maybe there is guards who are going to listen to this and be like, that could oh, be I'd me. say there's loads. Yeah. And I mean, there's loads of fantastic guards out there. And I think they need to keep in mind the amazing work they're doing because it's grueling. Yeah. I can't imagine yeah. doing that. And, you know, they do it like the team I had were just amazing. But um, we need to like, you know, reward that good behavior and then just like crack down hard on like, yeah. arguments that are made like I think in the Midlands trial one of the like mitigating um arguments that were made for one of them was oh you know with COVID and the backlog like you know our clients have been waiting for this trial for ages and that's really hard on them and you're like yeah. and the victim like <laughs> yeah. and, and also you fully did this by the way and it wasn't rape it was gang rape. like are you kidding me how dare you bring up this argument so I think the more we get comfortable talking about what's acceptable what's not hopefully that'll kind of like you know filter through yeah. the system a little bit hopefully hopefully yeah. <laughs> as you said well look if it makes like as we said at the start it won't get less awkward having the conversation but you will be more I don't know willing to listen willing to talk more I and, think so like obviously the first time anyone does anything it's hard like this is my first time having a conversation yeah. like this I'm absolutely sweating but I've never yeah. felt so agitated, but like, yeah, I know what they're doing the right thing, and um, 100%. And I feel like we maybe we will benefit a lot of people. And I can't even, I, I think I am stuck for words when I try and describe the amount of courage you had to come forward. First of all, sir, yeah. you wrote a book about it, but now yeah. you're on a podcast talking about it. And I know this isn't your first podcast as well, yeah. but like, they even be able to do it once and say, do you know what, yeah, I got that off my chest, but then be like, do you know what, I'm gonna do it again. And again, yeah. it's still the same story. It still happened to you and it's still, yeah. I think the yeah. good thing about it is you don't let it define you. Like I said, it, you benefited. You know, you're a different person. You've obviously like healed. You've went through the it. trauma. Yeah. Like PTSD, you've you've addressed it. You know what I mean? Like we were talking uh, as well. You were saying how your body was acting before your mind knew what was going on. Yeah. Like, that's just instinct. And like that's adrenaline going through your body. So obviously you had to come down from all that so yeah. it's a lot to be dealing with it is like yeah. there's no doubt what happened to you it was absolutely horrific it was traumatising um, but do you know what like it it happened to me so I'm stuck with it you guys don't have to sit here and talk to me about it so like I'm well, really have to proud talk of you guys or... for like yeah but see but like I, I don't but I'm kind of like I'm stuck with this so I might as well make something good out of it but I kind of figured nobody's going to want to talk about this and I get it it's not you know it's not an easy conversation to have. It does get easier. It really does. Yeah. But I have to say, like, I'm always so proud of, like, you know, men who come forward and are like, actually, I, you know, yes, it's uncomfortable, but, like, guaranteed it's even more uncomfortable for people going through it themselves. So I'm going to hold myself accountable and meet them halfway. Like, 
you are the force for better change. Like you are where it happens. And like every single one of your listeners, even if it's only a conversation between the lads, if anything, even better because women aren't in those conversations, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, that's where it kind of starts. And it's like, you know, as you were saying, a lot of men just don't even know the difference between sexual assault and rape and all these things. So not an easy topic to have, but like, that's where you find, you know, that's where the meaning in life comes from is a healthy balance of the crack and the, yeah. <laughs> and the kind of the deeper stuff. Definitely. Um, right, I think we're at the end of the road here. Yeah. yeah. It, was a, it was an emotional one. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But proof so that you can get through it all, sir. Yeah. yeah. And you can too. Yeah. <laughs> which is we got through this. Like, well done. Yeah. 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 So thanks for coming on. Thank Honestly, you're a legend. Oh, you're a star. thank you. Um, I think that's it, isn't it? Yeah? Let's wrap it up. Right. Take us out, Kino. Boom. Subscribe to this podcast for free on the Go Loud app. What you waiting for? What you back in it? Just a little more. Throw your weight in it now. Fill your body again. Walk it hard and long. When you finish that. The Hip Knocker. Go down. Go down.